Welcome back to the Ride Boundless Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Ride Clean. Ride Clean is an ultra premium polish, sealer, and wash that you can use on your motorcycle and or car. Ride Clean is simple. Shake, spray, and wipe. Made in the USA. Visit rideclean.co and use promo code RBPODCAST for 15% off. My guest, you know him from episode 17 when he was expanding awareness and has a new movie out called Chintuka Birthday, Nate Scholes. On this episode, we talk exclusively about UFOs and government confirming the existence of UFOs. So get ready for the ride. Here we go. Nate, welcome back, brother. Thanks, bud. Hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Uh, I, I I caught up as much as I could last minute on what you told me to watch. And uh, be honest, how much did you watch? I watched the whole Bob Lazar, okay. which uh, I, I thought I thought um, I thought what Jeremy did with the production was was cool, but he kind of stretched that a lot, a little over the top. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of um, time that could have. There's a lot of scenes yeah. that could have been cut. Got a little too uh, poetic. Yeah, People a little too poetic. Uh, then he Mickey, had that Mickey one. Rourke it was the narrator. He, and then, you know, yeah. I don't know what the fuck was going on. Like, <laughs> he, every time he spoke, he had to say fuck. And, and that was kind of that was kind of funny. Um, and then towards the end, the way he wraps it up, you know, doing all the video and the facts and everything. I mean, like, if it was just, if I would have just watched that, I would have been super sure. happy as well. For sure. So um, I never got too much into Bob Lazar's uh, story. Mm-hmm. But it seems, you know. He's been saying the same thing for 30 years. I worked on a spacecraft. It's technology we don't have. It's fucking super impressive. It's untouchable. Um, and he's been working on it. He's never saw aliens. And, and that's it, you know. And mm. and that's and then looking at everything else, he really has been saying the same thing for 30 years. Nothing different. Nothing. Um, Boy, you said that he never saw aliens. He did say. No, on, the la- he well, did on, on this. He, he did say that he saw a couple of bodies, right? No. no, no. He he said that like there was a moment that he thought when he quickly glanced through like a small little window door, of a door, door that yeah. he uh, that he saw something. But long he, arms. He saw something short with long arms. But then he even corrected it and said it's kind of like uh, it could have been a doll or something yeah. like you kid know, size, yeah, like kid size or something like that. Well, kids is what they supposedly call them based on on his experience. You very, see, very good, yeah. very good. So wow. I watched a few other watch things. I watched right. a few other things and. Um, so that that was good. Uh, I enjoyed it. I just think Jeremy went a little too deep, too far into the production. It, it could have been mellower. I don't um, disagree. I think um, one of the biggest issues with most UFO documentaries that are out there is uh, the production value and the format they use is usually so cheesy uh, that it, it kind of takes away from the, the validity of the subject matter that they're discussing in it, um, where I think if they were just to do it as a more straightforward approach like here's the facts we don't need to sensationalize it with this other shit but i also know that we're dealing with a generation of stupid people no offense uh <laughs> but, like, but no but like but it is yeah. like they have to be entertained they'll be very offended they, yeah, i hope so <laughs> uh they but they have to be constantly be entertained like everything's you know three minute little little bites like if you don't you lose their attention that's why everything on youtube is as short as it is that, yeah. that but that's what th- really threw me off of the whole jeremy thing jeremy thing is that um he, he, there was a lot he could have cut out mm. i mean there was just oh, of course there was just dead air for like and, and, re- and reiterate i mean i don't know did you make it to the stephen greer stuff 
Uh, is that the encounters of un, the fifth? Un, un, unacknowledged and close encounters of the fifth kind. Yeah, the fifth kind. I, I got I got um I got fifty five minutes into it, and I think I still need another forty five. What so. about unacknowledged? I was uh, the last one. The the encounters. Good. It is good, but yeah. it is a little long. Yeah, it is. It's like two, two hours. And there's a yeah. lot of like you're saying reiteration of the yeah. same things. That's the worst part about yeah, the, uh, the opening the, on that one was amazing. Yeah, the one, the, the one that I saw at the opening, oh, yeah. like Un- straight unacknowledged too. He did the same on unacknowledged and serious. Like his intros, the, those movies are, are phenomenal. Um, but each, all three of them, uh, do reiterate similar things that are in the other one. So you're going to watch, but I think it's also important for him to get a, across the points he's getting across is that you have to be able to, um, you know, re-educate the audience in case that's their first time watching it. Where it's most annoying is in the unidentified series that I sent you, which is like the six part one that Tom DeLonge did. Yeah. I didn't get into that. Um, Not yet. Yeah. That's, that's basically all about the, the three declassified UFO videos from the DOD, the, the gimbal go fast and Tic Tac. Um, and they stretch this out for six fucking episodes. It really only needed to be a two-hour special. Yeah. And they reiterate so much in each they're episode. They're milking it. Yeah, like, but it's to a point that you're like, man, like it's like after each commercial break, it's like they're re-educating the audience in case somebody just tuned in. Right. And I'm like, seriously, man, like if they're interested, they'll just rewatch it. Like, you know. Also, this is not in TV anymore. You don't have to do yeah. that. Yeah, you can the, edit it down. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's uh well, I mean I'm glad you watched something. Yeah, no, and, and there's so much more homework for you oh, to do. I, there's so I, I know, I know there's plenty, and, and and like I said, I I do know some stuff, and I followed up some previous stuff. My, I I don't know if I told you last time, but my mother's been a super super. Mm-hmm. She's read every book, you know. She's followed it. She's gone to places. She she loves it. She's fascinated by it. She's even, you know, when she started learning how to make like uh like iMovies bullshit, you yeah, know, yeah. Like her little Cuban dance music ones. She would add UFOs at the end of the thing, like. Really? Yeah, it, like she's oh, she's so fascinated. She witnessed it. Uh, supposedly, she witnessed it with my father when I was a little kid. I was like four or five years old. Uh, they saw. Uh, I think they were fuck. I don't even know what city they were in at then, but they saw like a light on top of a building, mm-hmm. and it was like a really, really strong bright light. And all of a sudden, they just saw something come out and just leave. And I was like, wow. Was that here in America? It was here in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, it was somewhere in America. It was Florida or California. Yeah. I mean, I guess uh, for those of you listening... Um, and she's seen more. I'm just that, you know, that son, like, oh, mom, come on. Like, I, I'm, I'm yeah. busy. Like, I don't, you know. But if anybody hears her, it's, it's like, so detailed. And Once you once you see it, man, you can't you unsee, can't unsee it. it. Yeah. And it changes your paradigm. It changes your life forever. And there's there's no going back after that. And that's just the the reality of any uh, UFO abductee and any person who's ever truly uh, witnessed and experienced a, a craft with their own eyes is that it's a, a paradigm-shifting moment that um, is, is a mix of so many emotions at once that it's, it's difficult to describe. Uh, I, I usually tell people it was, from my first encounter at Area 51, it was humbling, terrifying, exciting um and, and you're and in awe and let's remind everybody about that trip so so you went out there when again and uh i think it's about five years ago um and be, before i get too far and just for everyone who's listening the, the videos that i was uh having um robert watch beforehand just so you can do your own homework as well because these are some of the more vetted uh, documentaries that are out there because there's a lot of bullshit and i try to save people a lot of the hassle of 
going through 10 years of research that I've gone through to, to sift through the, the nonsense to get to the, the stuff that has the most substance. So the three documentaries uh, that we're talking about uh, with Dr. Stephen Greer is Cirrus, Unacknowledged, and Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. I believe Unacknowledged is on Netflix. The other two you're going to have to do VOD right now. Um, Bob Lazar, uh, that documentary is on Netflix as well. Highly recommend that. Uh, the Unidentified series, which is what Tom DeLong did, uh, and he has he's done this with his To the Stars uh, Academy of Arts and Science that he put together that essentially is made up of a former head of the uh, part of the DOD, which was called ATIP, Advanced Aerial Threat Identification Program. Um, he came out and uh, started did this with uh, Tom as well as a, a former head of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. Uh, some heads of the CIA, which, which NSA. I, I, I didn't understand that company that Skunk Skunk Works. Who, who, who are uh, they? So, or, well, so each they got brought up a lot in the Bob Lazar. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so each one of the um, quote unquote like the, the military industrial complex companies that we have, if you will, that they make up the military industrial complex as uh, companies like Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, um, so on and so forth. And so each of them have a a branch of their company that is essentially uh, black black budget off the books. This is the these are the the fastest of these organizations are doing work for the military, and most of that work has to do with the reverse engineering of, of foreign craft on this planet. Uh, this is what's been going on since, you know, the, the 40s with Roswell. And so they have been responsible, like in cooperation with our government, uh, forming the military-industrial complex, but more importantly, uh, as uh, Stephen Greer says, the USAPs, uh, Unacknowledged Special Access Programs. And so their, their job is essentially to reverse engineer um, anti-gravity propulsion systems, uh, which they, they have. Um, reverse now. engineer, Yeah, yeah, they've had for you know, and, and what was, decades now. What was the other thing, the 115, um, the material? That the they element. Oh, element, element 115, 115, yeah, unobtainium. And they, um, they've, they've created that once, they, they said. They synthesized like it once, but it's, it's so difficult. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not an element that's found here on our planet. Uh, which but in 2003 or 2013, they, they, were did. St- they documented it at one yeah. point. They synthesized an, a, a very, very tiny amount. But the, what they had to do to go through that, it's just not repeatable. Right. It's not repeatable because it's not found on this planet. Um, I believe they uh, it, it comes from Zeta Reticuli 1 and Zeta Reticuli 2 is where the, the craft, uh, especially the one from Roswell that crashed here, uh, it was from uh, because they found three bodies. One was still alive, and that... That uh, that was one 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 spaceship. Two. Two. That yeah, was two. two. They, they acknowledge one of them, but there do, was two. Do, do you know where... Uh, because Bob Lazar speaks of nine. Do you know yeah. where they got the other ones from? Uh, Antarctica, Egypt, places like that that were actually dug up. Uh, that were, oh, they were dug up, dug up, been here for tens of thousands of years. Um, but uh, to, to finish um, the special access programs with like Lockheed. Uh, so Lockheed Martin has Skunk Works. That's their black budget uh, program. Boeing has Phantom Works. That's their black budget program. Um, and uh, one of the craziest things that I, I know Greer mentions and a lot of people in the UFO community uh, is Ben Rich. And Ben Rich was the head of uh, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works for decades. And in 1991, I was believe... was the guy with the mustache, the Air Force guy, right? No, no, he, he's, he's an old mate. Um, uh, I don't think he had a mustache. Um, but uh, in 1991, he was doing a, uh, a presentation at UCLA. And during that presentation, he said a couple things that have been quoted ever since then. Um one of them is uh, one of the most pivotal ones, which is at that time in 1991, he said, we now possess the technology to take E.T. home. 
Yeah. And people kind of lost their shit about that, and uh, rightfully so, but they've also possessed that technology for decades before that. He also said, quote, We already have the means to travel among the stars, but these technologies are locked up in black projects, and it would take an act of God to ever get them out to benefit humanity. Anything you can imagine, we already know how to do. And that was 1993, apologies, uh, at uh, alumni speech at UCLA. And so this is the former head of Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. Yeah. Like, this is the guy in it. Like, we think, you know, our government, uh, you know, is the one developing a lot of these technologies. They aren't. The private yeah. sector is responsible for a lot of it, but it's all, it's, the government is funding it. So they're, right. they're intertwined very deeply at that level, but it's all a part of these black budget operations that are off the books. What do you think he meant by that statement? That we, we have interstellar travel. We have the technology to... No, no, I understand. But he was saying that, you know, something higher than a guy would have to unlock it. You know, oh, basically that it's... The, it's just that lockdown that, yeah, we'll, that we'll no, never have access to yeah, it. Whatever. And that's also the thing is none of it's going to... Like, you have the ruling elite, uh, which we kind of touched on last time, you know, briefly as it pertained to COVID and, you know, the secret societies that kind of run the world. It kind of breaks down into two groups because you have... Excuse me. You have the um, the secret societies, if you will. The, the ruling elite uh, in the private sector. And then you have essentially what uh, has been called the group, um, but also just the, the compartmentalized black government that exists, the, the unacknowledged programs that are off the books that the president of the United States doesn't know anything about. There are two ruling classes in secret on this planet. One of them is uh, tied to the government, and the other one is not. It is... Uh, wealth families uh, who also possess very similar technology and are fighting for similar things on this planet, essentially like domination. But it is essentially technology right now that is reserved for the very, 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 very elite. And so there are people on this planet um, who have left it. We have bases on the moon. We have bases on Mars. Like we have gone interstellar. This is not a, uh, people think this is like some far-fetched thing. It's not. We've possessed this technology for a long time. And there have been enough people, I mean, more people than I can even begin to explain to you that have come forward about this, who uh, worked in the military, who worked in these unacknowledged special access programs, who worked, you know, at Area 51, Groom Lake or Kings Peak or Dulce, New Mexico, you know, with these infamous uh, things like the Dulce firefight that took place and the, the Dulce Mesa, this seven, they call it seven level underground base. But, you know, each level is you know, the equivalent of like a two story house. Right. Um, and this massive firefight that went on between us and, uh, and the greys underneath who we've given essentially, you know, um, equivalent of like embassies on our planet. Um, and, you know, we lost, like, I think it was 68 of our most elite uh, special forces people um, uh, in, this, in this fight and which caused a rift because we found out that they were breaking a treaty that we uh, essentially had, I believe, set up under Eisenhower in the 50s called like the Sigma Treaty in which he basically gave away our population. It was like, you can abduct people, you can run your tests, but you have to bring them back. You can't like kill them. You can't do this. And in exchange for that, you're going to give us technology. And they were like, yeah, sure, whatever. And obviously we know how this story went. Uh, right. With infinite amounts of missing people, especially during that period of time. There's been a number of um, reports that went down, especially on missing children in the 50s and 60s, like tens of thousands of them Uh very, very strange in that period of time, especially given the population size and what it is now compared to what it was then um, and uh, and various things like that. But um, I'm kind of digressing down a, a rabbit hole with uh, specific things there. I, wa I want to be able to That's have good, brother. a... Uh, 
I want to approach this subject in the most methodical kind of way possible. And I want to, I guess, say this in advance that I am going more or less off the top of my head with 10 years of research. And so I may fudge a date. I may, you know. I may, I may, you know, mess up a number or whatever. So you're human. I'm human. So if, uh, if there's something on this that, you know, I, I mess up by a digit or something like that, uh, you know, don't discredit it. The point of this whole conversation is I'm going to give people the resources to go look at this. I am, I've read from the experts in countless fields on this subject, and I am here to give you a macro view of all of that and try and explain what's happened the past hundred years with the UFO cover-up, uh, try and explain the origin story of our species, why we're here, um, where we're going, uh, things of that nature. Um, the very nature of the beings that are on this planet, uh, the two schools of thought. You have, you know, people like Tom DeLonge and To the Stars that really kind of takes the posture, uh, which our government does, the ones who are now declassifying these videos, that uh, these beings are a threat. They're all a threat. Like, it, uh, if you listen to the verbiage uh, and the words they use in all of his books and documentaries, which I've read all of them and watched all of them, um, it is very threat related like they are an unknown threat they're in our airspace this poses a threat like it's over and over and over it's very very specific rhetoric that they're using but then you have people like Stephen Greer who's like fucking kumbaya they're all benevolent and they're all here and like we need to like be he's the guy that sets up the people yeah. outside and meditate and yeah. focus and then they call them and yeah the close know. encounters of the fifth kind right. protocol the ce5 right. protocol and uh I don't agree with either of them <laughs> because no. the, well, it's the, we look at the very nature of humanity. Like there's good and bad people. Uh, there's positive and negative forces in the universe. That's uh, keeps it in balance. It's the yin and yang. There's no such thing as like, uh, you know, only good, uh, highly intelligent beings. And there's no such thing as only bad intelligent beings. And so both of them are here and we know that. And, uh, the, the good and bad are the reasons for a lot of the secrecy that we have. Uh, the majority of the secrecy around this subject matter in my research and the consensus um, among those who've come out uh, who were deep inside these black budget programs, who one of them was claimed to be the head of it, uh, is that the, the secrecy of this doesn't have to do with keeping it from the population. It has to do with keeping it from them, the, the others, the aliens, because they can't know that we've acquired the technology that we have because there is something supposedly coming in the 2020s, uh, which is weird that we're in this time right now. And it's weird that the absolute chaos and the shit going on in the world, this energetic absolute shift that you chaos. feel going on right now um, seems kind of interesting, but I, I try not to read into things. I try to always keep a healthy level of skepticism and you have to when in investigating this subject matter. Um, but that has supposedly been one of the, the main reasons for the secrecy has been we cannot allow a particular race of these beings that, uh, from what I'm gathering, is most likely the ones responsible for creating us in the first place. Uh, the gods of all the old texts, of every old religion, every, uh, every religion references the same exact things. And there's a fantastic book on that, which is one of the ones that uh, uh, Tom co-authored uh, in his Secret Machines uh Trilogy. So Secret Machines has three fictional books, three non-fictional books, and the fictional books are, in quotes, fictional. Uh, everything that happened in them really did happen, but they're written as a fictional story to entertain as well as disclose. And to get published, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is what the military said, like the DOD and the CIA told him, like, this is how we're going to allow you to leak this information is in a fictional story. But all the events and everything that happened in it is true, and they're not 
saying that they're they're saying that that is the fact. Um, but the three nonfiction books are called Gods, Man, and War, and the first of which is Gods, and that basically is this insanely academic look at um, essentially the origin of our species uh, as it pertains to religion on this planet and everything that we've ever worshipped um, as gods in the sky, uh, which every religion references the very identical things. And if you really start to study religion, uh, and I was raised very, you know, uh, Judeo-Christian upbringing, uh, so that was, you know, my, my base for, um, for everything growing up. But then when I started branching out and investigating other religions and learning more about all this stuff, you start to see the parallels between them, which yeah. is pretty fucking crazy. Um, especially when it comes to events that happened in our past, from right. like the Great Flood to the, the origin To the Virgin stories. Mary. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I, I heard a perfect example of the Virgin Mary where it's like, all right, you have two choices. The Holy Spirit comes down, says you're going to have God's child. She gets pregnant. You know, then she has the baby and it's like, hallelujah. Then it's the, you know, the UFO story, you know, a, a, a UFO passes by, a bright light is there. Nobody can see into the light. She's injecting, you know, and then nine months later she has a baby. And, you know, like it, it's it's always, even with the Egyptians, especially with the Egyptians. Egyptians are, man, They're aliens. They're, they're. They had I'm helicopter not, drawings. They had. You I'm know, not all sure kinds of, if they're aliens. We're aliens. Uh, well, we are. We're. I mean, we're. I mean, yeah, definitely. We're. We're a part of that. We're 100 percent a genetic 100. hybrid. We are. We're I not mean, from this planet. No, and there's a, that's hence the reason for our longingness of everything outside of this planet. Right. Our our fascination with the stars. Our fascination with God. Something bigger than us that we are a part of. Um, and when I say this stuff, you know, I'm not trying to, uh, when I go into the religion stuff, Just which I'm about to, anything, yeah. yeah, I'm not uh, bashing on anybody's religion or anybody's faith. I um, 100% believe in what you want to believe in because at the end of the day, we are all looking for meaning. We're all looking for hope. We're all looking for purpose. And religion is a great thing to give that. And whatever gives you that at the end of the day, 100% I support more power to you. Providing you don't want to kill me for not believing in whatever, you know, right. religion or viewpoint that you hold. But we're all looking for the same thing, and there are underlying truths that are apparent in all religions that uh, are echoed, and I 100% believe in to be true. Um, I just have learned that the gods of these religions are not God, in quotes. Right. Uh, the, you know, the source that created us, the energy that we're ultimately from in the grand scheme of things in this universe that, you know, is beyond any of our understanding, Uh that God is, is real, but it's not anything, any God of religion. The gods of most religions are intelligent beings that came here that we did not understand what they were. And so that is the premise of, uh, of Tom's book in um, God's Man of War is he starts with this, this argument of the cargo cult. And so during World War II, um, when we were in the, the Pacific Campaign, we were flying over a number of these islands outside of Japan, and there were was a particular island that had inhabitants that had never been touched by the outside world, that were beyond outside of any evolution that had taken place on the mainland, technologically, you know, culturally, anything. They were a an untouched primitive race that was there. And during the war, we were flying planes over it, and these planes were dropping cargo on that island where we had, like, other soldiers. And these... Uh, this tribe watched as these planes flew by, never having seen a plane before, having no base for comparison, not knowing what it is. All they knew is that this thing flew by and it dropped off food. It dropped off things for them. Yeah. So they erected statues of airplanes and started worshiping these gods in the sky. And this 
is essentially everything that has happened in our history. This is how a primitive race that does not understand a technology that is beyond conceivable to them. You know, everyone talks about it. Give somebody, you know, 200 years ago, an uh, iPhone 11, and they'll fucking think it's witchcraft. They'll have no, con- they wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah, but Be what about it. now? What do you mean? What about now? You know, like you give that iPhone example. If you give uh, an iPhone to somebody in the 80s, and would be like, whoa, what the mm-hmm. fuck is this, mm-hmm. man? Now it just seems like nobody's impressed with anything anymore. Well, well one second. Like, there is a really good analogy. That hey, Hyman, welcome back. Hey, what's hey, up? Um, that I usually use with people. Mm. And I don't know if you've seen Men in Black 2. I don't think this is an accident at all. And Men in Black 2 is disclosure. He leaves um, <laughs> his watch in the, um, in the locker. Mm. And when he comes back to pick it up, he is the god of time. Because those creatures that live inside, on the, inside of the locker were able to tell what time it was because mm. he forgot his mm. and, and he mm. opens again and they're praising to him and he's like their god of time and he comes same back exact thing it's it is literally yeah. the same exact thing and that that is uh i mean but to your but to my to question your, to your question yeah, so it's like what, what about now like not, nothing that's happening today are people blown away people are fucking spoiled little brats you know like oh are. macbook now has touchscreen so what but this like, technology though is still so primitive. Oh, I'm sure. Like what we what we possess now, not just you know the the ETs that are here, but we possess is a minimum of a hundred years beyond this. And this is what people like Ben Rich and higher ups in the CIA have admitted to people in, in various speeches. Which is another question that brought my mind. Who who decides? Because I was just thinking about that. I go fuck. We we, we all like like I like the. Um, I like the opening scene of Transformers. I think it's one or two where it's like, moon. you know, uh, opti- I don't know if it's the moon, but um, who's the bad guy? You have Optimus Prime and Megatron. Megatron they yeah. find Megatron in, mountain in the uh, Arctic, mm. buried in snow. He crashed and shit. And then they find him and then they make a military base out of him and they take his technology. And it's, it's just the same thing. They just made a great Transformers movie out of it. But then I'm thinking, okay, we got technology from the spaceships. We got technology from the crash sites. We got technology from, you know, outside. Mm-hmm. But how the fuck did Steve Jobs get it? Like, who assigned it to Bill Gates or who assigned it to, you know, that was another thing that crossed my mind. Are they connected? Were they chosen ones, you know? Or was that our real own technology that we created? They're still playing with absolute primitive technology. Our technology has really not advanced for 100 years. We're still well, working with Well, in the last trans- 100 years. Yeah, but, like, but, it, but I mean, like, all the technology. No, no, it all, it all came basically around like the 60s. It was this, when the transistor basically came in. That was the, the uptick of everything. Um, Transistors, microwaves, nuclear power. Yeah, like, like that, that whole era. But nothing has really changed since then. All we have done is perfect it more and allow it to do a little bit more things. But we're not working. We in, changed a lot. We somewhat yes Wi-Fi, but if, but if internet you, but if computers think, com, uh, translation kind cameras of, kind of but documentation if you, if you think about in the sense though of quantum mechanics if you think about these anti-gravity propulsion systems if you think about the, right. the reality of technology that to us is witchcraft because we art scientists today won't even acknowledge it as possible because yeah. it shits on everything they've said is the like the the foundation of our scientific thought and these things exist and we witness them and we see them and there is an embarrassment of proof. And when we get into this later in the podcast, because I'm going to give you example after example, after example, after example of some of the most credible people in the military, private sector, uh, et cetera, coming forward. And a lot of these mass sightings and that are beyond documented for people to look up uh, on their own. This technology exists and to us it is the same thing when i saw my first ufo and i was with my buddy at area 51 we witnessed this thing for 45 minutes 20 feet above the ground 
everything changed. It was like looking at witchcraft. It was like looking at magic because I knew in that moment, and so did he, that I was witnessing something that was light years beyond my comprehension that should not be able to do what it's doing. Physically. Phys yeah. yeah, with the physics of it. That should not be able to. It's, what it's doing is not possible. And yet here it is doing it. And that and what is. Was it, what was it doing, just to clarify? Oh, I, I mean, it was it, doing, it, doing a number of things. But, I mean, it started is hovering, like I said, basically between 20 and 100 feet above the ground, uh, completely silently, uh, moving in erratic patterns, a lot of right angle movements that are just. It had no same. jets. Yeah. It had no. Completely silent. Completely silent, not a sound at all on it. Uh, disappearing and then reappearing, like, you know, 10 miles away to the other side of us, like in the distance. And then, like. Do you think that was speed or portals? Uh, could have been either. I mean, because the, these things, I mean, they. We have uh, the, I, the, so the Tic Tac video that was just released of the, the fighter jets chasing this thing. I mean, it went, uh, I think it was 75, uh, 75 miles in three seconds. It, it, it went to like their. Um, Oh, what the hell are they called? Uh, map point. Um, yeah, it was called something like that. Yeah, map like point. where they're uh, faster than light. Well, no, it went to like what they their stat point is like basically wherever they were supposed to be, where the fighter jets were and were gonna end up going. Which this craft had no idea where they were going because it was engaging them. It came out of the water and they were engaging it from there. Um, you know, same thing. You know, they they clocked it at roughly like twelve thousand miles an hour, but that but they even then they're like, we really have no idea. That's just the fastest we think, like you know, yeah, we could possibly imagine with no we sonic can process, boom. yeah, with no sonic boom, with no instantaneous acceleration. Um, you know, there's these uh, they do that in the unidentified show. They talk about the five observable observables that they use uh, when identifying a UFO or a UAP. Um, and instantaneous acceleration is one of them, you know, so is anti-gravity propulsion systems, you know, being able to do right angle turns, things that are not possible within the laws of physics and inertia and propulsion and things like that. Um, but we watched this do those things. And then uh, I said the third time that we saw it, it kept disappearing and then reappearing. It covered all four directions of us while we were there. And then when it appeared the third time, which is to the west of us, it was the closest that it had been the whole time. And it was close enough that its lights that were around it illuminated its shape. And it was 100% a saucer. Everything that you could ever think of in the, the, the videos you've seen, the drawings you've seen, the representations on a movies. A saucer, like a round, a frisbee saucer looking yep. saucer. No, yep. a saucer. Yep. With crap, with so, the so what's, what's the, the Tic Tac? The Tic Tac is, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's another one. I mean, so it's, it's essentially. <laughs> hey. Are you working for China, bro? Yeah, bro. Um, it's, uh, is that a plug? Um, it's Breath. essentially just a, an oval shape craft, no wings, no visible sign. But I mean, do you it think it's the same? Do you think it's now? That's the other question. How many? How many? How many different aliens from different places are visiting Nine us? Nine to twenty-two. And do the TikToks? What, what believe the TikTok. 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 Yeah, it's just shaped like a TikTok. Yeah, that's all. It is. No, yeah, no, yeah, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, good branding, huh? Yeah, good. The TikTok. Uh, sure. Do you think it's the same as the saucers? The same beans? Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. Different. Yeah, I mean, there's um, a number of uh, reports and declassified documents that have come out. And, you know, some of these, uh, it's hard to know the validity of some of them. Um, but uh, the consensus in my research is, is what a lot of these insiders have said, is that we deal with, uh, I've heard, between 9 and 22 races of alien on this planet currently that we are in contact with that are allowed to be here that have essentially, if you will, embassies, which are under mountains underground at places like area 51 
um, at, you know, Groom Lake, Dulce, um, maybe even Mount Adams, um, Kings Peak, Utah, like all, I mean, you know, right Pat and Elms, all the, all these major military installations. Um, so that we, we know there's many of them. There's, there's multiple, multiple races of, of have, have you had contact ever with directly with a, with an alien or seen or known anybody that has direct contact? Yeah. I, I, have one of the buddies who I, um, uh, go to Mount Adams with, I don't know if you, I mean, do you meet Andy? Was he yes, there? Yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> dude, yes, I did. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, I, I don't know if he's going to care if I share a story, but he, 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 uh, he had some very traumatic abduction related things happen to him as a child and, uh, very, very vivid accounts of, of things. And, um, I've never seen a person who is able to make contact with beings more in my life. Like whenever we go out anywhere with him, ships just show up all the time, all the time. Like it doesn't, he, he'll just be walking around like the neighborhood in the cove, like, you know, where he, where he lives, like, you know, walking by the high school, like walking his dog, like at night and they just show up and he's just like, talks to them says, what's up? They do like formations, take off, disappear. That's so fucking insane. You saw this again, right? I mean, we, yeah, I mean, and I know we talked about this, but you know, yeah, I met him when I met Nate, and Nate started. You met talking. his friend, not yeah, the. No, no. When I met Nate, we we started talking about this, and you know, I'm pretty skeptical, and I was like, Nate, I'm not gonna believe it until I see something. So he's like, "Well, I've got this uh, trip coming to Montana. That's gonna be great." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll come by." And he's like, "What? What?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah. we just met like a week ago." And I was like, "Well, I need to wake you." Yeah, and um, very important. And I came to Mount Adams. And How did he wake you? Well, by going there. Yeah, yeah. Not, he, took me, he took me yeah. there. Now we're doing fuck. Um, Hi, man. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. <laughs> maybe a little bit. Um, no, that's good. We brought yeah, this we to went, the podcast. We went there <laughs> and we went with one of his friends. He does all these um, trips with, with Vera. Mm. And um, and then there was um, Andy with his father, right? Was it down there? I think maybe. so. Yeah, he might have came on that one. Yeah. And um, yeah, actually, was no, he was. They came. They took their, their camper. Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, there was there was lights everywhere that we could you know see. This everything. was the the opening, the lights that you saw on Mount Adams. Well, in Mount Adams, and like flying yeah. over flying us overhead. all the time. And I yeah, mean, you, you took you. They were not close enough for yeah. us to see exactly where they were, but yeah. I know you took pictures. You did videos too, or no? I didn't do videos. I did long exposure pictures, so you could see the tracing of their you know weird movements and stuff. I have, a, I have a video from there. It was from the time beforehand. It's uh, very compelling. With all this fucking technology we're talking about, we don't have a good camera that can record at night. Well, you have to understand, like, so, yes. Uh, and it's, I think I said it uh, on uh, the, the first the first uh, podcast with you was that how often are you looking up? Yeah. Never. People aren't looking up. Especially if, if now. anything now, yeah, they're looking down on their phone all the time. Um, and then you have to realize, okay, so for like the tiny percentage that you're actually looking up at the sky and you have to think of the probability that that, that time they're going to just uncloak and poke around and be like, Hey, what's up? Uh, or that you're going to be a blade enough, uh, in a, out in nature enough where it's clear enough that you can see something in the first place. Um, but I'm a firm believer, uh, and this is, you know, proven psychologically and scientifically that, you know, <laughs> if you believe something, you will see it. It's a paradigm like your reality, like you're, you're constantly filtering out information all the time. And so your information, the reality that you live in is based on conditioning that you received the first 12 years of your life. And it's nearly impossible to break that without very concerted effort. But like everything you believe is a result of how you were raised. And unless you've 
worked really hard to not believe that, not be like your parents or whatever the right, case may be. Right, to break break the system. To break the system. And once you change that, though, once you, like, shift a thought pattern, uh, I always use the car analogy, like whenever you're about to buy a new car, I want to get the new, you know, five series, new M5. Right. And, like, you start thinking about it, man, I really want this car. Then suddenly you're driving, you see the fucking car everywhere. everywhere. It was always there. It was just a never a part of your psychology. It was never important enough to be a part of your reality, so it got filtered out. Didn't mean it didn't exist. Didn't mean a bunch of people didn't already have your fucking car. It just meant that you weren't paying attention. It was not a priority for the information that your brain can process. And they say it can process like 2,000 bits of information per second or something like that, and you're taking in 22 billion bits of information yeah. per second. So out of that 22 billion bits that makes up reality, you're taking in 2,000, and that is your reality. So once you shift to your reality and you then accept that this is not only <laughs> a reality, but this is something that we need to contend with and realize is uh, not only a part of our origin story, but a part of our future and a part of you know us becoming a part of our, our cosmic neighborhood. Uh, then suddenly it appears and it's everywhere. And once you start looking, once you start digging on this subject, Robert, there is an embarrassment of fucking evidence. It is everywhere and it is Wow. Absolutely infuriating because right. when you see it, you realize why is nobody talking about this? Well, that's actually I was going to say that I, I I think they're talking about it more than ever now. You know, Trump's talking about space force. You know, the the other guys released the the and verified mm -hmm. what the pilot was saying that he saw. Yeah, you know, flying the spaceship here. You know, like it's coming out more in the news. Uh, Tucker, uh, what's his name? Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been doing something like once every three months with UFOs. Yeah, yeah. Been like it's people. It's yeah. it's, it's on every every major network. It's everywhere up now. The, the now it's stories. like, what's the agenda? Why are they talking about it? Why are they being so yes, open? And how do you question. feel about that? They they've been confirming it and talking about it. Well, there's a lot of theories on on. Uh, not a lot. Well, there's always a lot of theories, but there's a few that are the most logical explanations for this, um, and most of them aren't good. Um, once again, knowing we kind of talked about last time that like essentially five families own 98% of all media. They also own the five largest banks, which own the five largest oil companies, et cetera, et cetera, who dictate all information that we are receiving. Those same people have vested interest in, uh, in these special access programs. Uh, have essentially their own, if you will, secret space programs. They, they harness this technology as well. Um, if they're releasing something to us, if it's on the mainstream media, that is honestly one of the biggest red flags for me um, because it's how it's being released. And once again, it is being released in a way that is framing this as a threat. And not that it's not, because I do believe that there is definitely a major threat component to this. And, and from what I've gathered from people who are way smarter than me and who worked inside these programs for their whole entire life, um, have said is that, uh, yes, we need to be fearful because we are woefully outmatched technologically. Um, remind me to get back to that woefully outmatched technology. Okay. Technologically. Um, so there is a couple of schools of thought. One is that uh, Werner von Braun, um, who we took in Operation Paperclip, which I think we might have touched on before. We, touched we, a little we bit. took a, you know, 1800 plus of Hitler's top scientists uh, post-World War II and put them Created to work. NASA, spaceships, NASA, first yeah, everything. Yeah. Everything. Uh, and put them you know, to work in Poison our gases. propaganda machine. Like they, they basically took over our media because they were experts in propaganda. I mean, they convinced an entire country to burn Jews without even thinking twice about it. Those were just normal people like you and me. 
Like they didn't just wake up one day and decide that that is some insane programming that took place. And those people have been at work in our country and they have been the ones behind the disinformation campaigns, uh, the counterintelligence uh, and disinformation that's gone on about the subject in particular. That was, they're strategically put in place there. But Werner von Braun, um, uh, towards the end of his life, I believe in like the late eighties, told his number one, this lady who came out, she's actually, uh, I believe she, she spoke in one of Stephen Greer's movies, maybe even two of them. She might've been in there. Um, and he basically told her, he's like, you need to understand what's going to happen and what is happening. He goes, and he basically said something like first it was the, um, uh, first it was the Russians. That was the threat. We always need a threat because the military industrial complex owns everything. So everything is about the war machine. War makes money. That's why we're constantly at war for no fucking reason. We're making up excuses to invade countries we have no business being in for reasons that do not check out. We are the ones creating people like uh, the Taliban, um, ISIS. Those are those are our doing. They're not, they didn't just form. We need to destabilize a, rate, a region before we could go and take it in. And how are you going to do that if a country's doing well? You cause dissent internally, make it start falling apart. Then you come in and offer your help. It's the same red flag uh, or false flag operation similar to 9-11, um, similar to... All of them. All of them. I mean, all of them, yeah. Corona, the, the, same thing. Right. The three things they, they default when any time the economy's you know un, unstable is they either print more money, but then that you create more debt. Value goes down. That's not a good idea. Yeah. You borrow money, which we've done so many times from China, but then, you know, China ends up owning big percentages of the country, and that's not a good way. Or you create war. Yeah. War is the biggest. I mean, the Rothschilds or, in particular of course. have funded both sides of every war. You get funding, stocks, years. you know, yeah. human sacrificing. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a, it's a big agenda. So, exactly. And, and uh, Werner von Braun said, first it's going to be the Russians. This is during the Cold War. He goes, then it's going to be um, terrorism. We're going to, the new war is going to be terrorism. After that, it's going to be radical third world leaders, North Korea, uh, Syria, if you will, Iran. Um, going to be radical, radical dictatorships that are going to be coming up. That's going to be the new enemy. It's going to go from the Russians battling communism to terrorism to uh, radical extremist leaders. The final phase of this is going to be a war in the sky. It's going to be aliens. And he said this literally like the last two years of his life. He kept saying it to her, he goes, mark my word, the, th the fourth and final installment of this agenda is going to be a battle against aliens. And he kind of used like in a, in Space a, Force. In, in a quote, if you will, that uh, that is the next enemy. That is the next thing that is going to fund the military industrial complex fucking indefinitely. If you think about the money, amount of resources we're going to pump into that when People don't even know the technology we already possess that would make all of the technology we have obsolete in the first place. won't require any of the money, but they're going to take it. They're going to take it from us. They're going to take it from the government. They're going to drain the pockets of the taxpayers to build this space force with primitive fucking technology to battle supposedly an alien threat, which is Stephen Greer speculates is going to be uh, hoaxed by us because we already possess the technology. We have the craft. We're operating most of them, uh, and we possess everything, and we have already done it because there's been people who've worked for uh, these deep black budget programs who've come out and said, yeah, we've abducted people. We've faked alien abductions, and we have done this to really? sway sway politics and do these various things. Oh, yeah, openly that, that, that makes sense. Yeah, and so that, that, some of it is us, and right. that, once again... It goes to show, I said, it doesn't disprove anything. All it does is validate the fact that they are real because we have their technology and we are basically pretending to be them to invoke fear. I, um, I, I saw that video 
I, I don't know if it was at the, the, uh, the Bob Lazar, but the one where in 1991 there was like a spaceship from a, a spacecraft or one of the satellites, and they saw a spaceship flying. Then and then changed direction, a, then a laser shot up? Yeah, then there was like a bright light from us, mm-hmm. and it changed its direction, flew out, and, and then you could see up. a laser. Yeah. It's one of the most and, and, insane and, 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 and we shot videos. that out supposedly in 1991, 93, mm-hmm. or whatever it was. That video, if those of you who've not watched it, is... One of the most crazy things ever. And Jamie, that, pulling that up? That, uh, come on, Jamie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't want, I didn't even want to unmute my, my microphone. Your, like, your, no eye, worth, your eye roll no said worth it all. It, bro. Your eye roll said it all. Uh, look up. The, I, I mean, it's, it's a NASA video. Um, I mean, if you just Google uh, spaceship being shot at by laser in stratosphere or something like that, it should pop up. Um, but it's a it's NASA footage from uh, from the ISS, and you've watched this this UFO hovering in the outermost part of like our stratosphere, just cruising, and suddenly this thing takes a fucking immediate direction change. There's goes a bright back. light. Yeah, there's a bright yeah bright light from the planet, like from down like below, like so out of frame, but like clearly coming from the planet. You see a bright light, and this thing immediately changes directions and bolts the fuck out of there and then right after you see this fucking laser beam shoot straight up from our freaking atmosphere up at where the craft just was right right like, where like it was. as a like as a, like as a, a warning shot like hey yeah. you're, you're coming too fucking close get out of here clap clap so this also validates once again the uh the reality of the black budget the group the group was what we're going to call them this is funny because uh um i don't know if we even talked about it but uh i'm in the middle of uh, co-creating a tv show um and this tv show is about to be completely finished uh, next week, finishing the, the series Bible in the last eight seasons. Uh, but it all has to do with this. It, it, if you are fascinated by this stuff, pray to God it gets bought, but it all has to do with... Okay. Yeah, it, it all has to do with uh, this subject matter and essentially chronicling the past hundred years uh, and the reality of this phenomena and every single thing we're talking about now, but a million times more in depth. Um, Quote-unquote fictional, right? Yeah, exactly. Quote-unquote fictional series. Um and uh, the people, though, that uh, from a lot of the, the sources I've read, one in particular, I, we're saying the group. I'm saying the group right now, because it essentially comes from one of these uh, these books, which this the guy who's the head of the black black budget organization, um, who basically controls the entire world. And when I say the black government um, or the group, quote unquote, this is made up of not only America, it's made up of Russia, it's made up of China, it's made up of everybody. The people that we claim are our enemies are 100 percent our allies in this. And all the stuff that's going on is really a facade. And the reality of this is we are far more allied with these nations than people have any fucking idea. But it's at such a black budget level that the main mainstream society has zero clue. But we are very much allied with them. And in this, this, this disclosure of what this guy uh, said before he died, he basically left three boxes of his journals to this author and said, here you go. Um, he got called in randomly to a... Uh, an office in Century City where these lawyers were like, you need to settle in a state matter. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're like, just come here and come in and settle this. And so he comes in and it, it was this guy who had been leaking information to him for like the past 10 years um, who sought him out because of everything he was doing with the disclosure movement. And uh, he's a producer of a number of like the alien autopsy and a number of these uh, sightings a show in the nineties and a bunch of other stuff. And so he willed him essentially three boxes of his journals and he left him a note that said, you can do with these what you want, but if you release them, everyone you know will die. Like your family, you, like I cannot protect you, obviously. I'm no longer here. But like if you release these, you will die. But 
if you can find another way to release them and get them out, the information out, maybe through a story, same type of thing, you can do that. But do not use any of the names. People are still alive who are in this and blah, blah, blah. So he, similar to exactly what you know Tom DeLong's done, but he did it before Tom DeLong, uh, wrote these three series. Uh, it was supposed to be four, but sadly he's arrested and in jail now. Uh, before he released the fourth book, really, and yep, him and his wife. Oh, this is the guy you met, right? Yeah, that's the author I tracked down. What, what did they uh, get arrested for? Some tax thing, some bullshit. Like just, I mean, this guy was like a co-host of Coast to Coast forever, uh, responsible for getting Pete Carroll at SC BTW. He took Pete Carroll to Egypt. He was from like uh, lived in Egypt for a long period of time, and uh, I don't know if I want to. This is a story he told me. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, it was a fictional story. Yeah, 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 fictional story. Yeah, yeah wink, fictional wink, story we're, about we're winking Pete Carroll uh, making a pact with the Egyptian gods to have him get the perfect team and win a Super Bowl in the first two years and what happened. That's right. A ring. Weird, yep. Um, we got to update our sound effects on this. Yeah. Boing, ching, ching, ching. Yeah, bro. Where's your disc jockey sound effects here? Oh, no, we have them. Do you? We have them. Oh, yeah. We, we oh, got to throw it Throw it at me. Throw it at me. We got to... There You're it is. You're just now fucking busting that out. God damn it, Jaime. Oh, man. we well, got I click one random button and another one, the other ones do. <laughs> Bro. You picked the best one. Yeah, you <laughs> picked the sure. best one. Like, I thought you would have used that like 20 <laughs> times by now. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. Wasted opportunity. I, I think that's the other problem with the, with the, um, the whole U- UFO community is that you, you got some wild motherfuckers that you're just like, you can't take these guys serious. Sure. So, you know, a lot of For them. Sure. Now I'm starting to see like, okay, Dr. So-and-so mm-hmm. and Dr. Blah, blah, and Sergeant, you know. But there's well, a look lot at of Asian the, aliens, the people. The, this fucking weird-haired motherfucker, I can't remember his name, but like he's the one in every alien meme and it's shit like this. It just completely discredits the reality of this topic. And it's yeah. deliberate. It's like they don't think that it was an accident they cast a guy like this to head off ancient aliens. Um yeah, people like Corey Good and a number of these other, you know, key players on Gaia and all this other stuff. And I'm telling you, I watch it, it's wild. everything. It's, it's like, very wild. It is very wild. But which is why I, the recommendations I give are deliberate because they're meant to be the most credible. Now, I, the best way to go about this would be for you guys to read books because there are countless books that you should read that nobody's getting a book published with, you know... Uh, <laughs> generals testimonies you know politicians testimonies pilots doctors like the most credible high up people who have everything to lose by coming forward in the subject matter no one's fucking publishing a book of his bullshit not going to go through that effort and there are tons of books out there that are all about this um there's like i said there's just an embarrassment man an embarrassment of fucking proof like it is it just it, it really gets me mad sometimes. I try not to let it because it, it is the journey of our species, and I've just had to accept that that uh, you know there is a consciousness shift going on, and some people are going to make it, and some people are not, and that is the consensus among the the community and other communities that are woke and in the real sense, not in this hyper PC sense, but um, really woke to the reality of our place in the universe and the reality of the soul, the reality of consciousness and the reality of uh, our origin story and why we're here and who else is here. But, but do you think it's, it's, it's the people's fault or do you think it's the, the way the system wants to keep the, the people? It's both. 
because we all have we all have a choice, right? Like we're all right, we but, all but have our, no, I mean, we yeah. all we we all have yeah. our choice. But come on, you know, it's it's back to what I was saying yeah. before. You know, you don't know what you don't know, and if you got people telling you, hey, be 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 you know, build houses. Here's yeah. a hammer. Here's nails. Here's a table. Here's build 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 build. And you're just fucking. That's all you see. You don't yeah. know anything outside of that. That's yeah. not the kid's fault. And then you go to school, and they're teaching you that For what sure. your father's saying is the right thing. Then you go to college. It's like okay, now you learn some business to create and build houses. And that's all you fucking, you, you don't know anything else. So do you think it's more system-based? Oh, it's one, one thousand percent yeah, system-based. System based. But it's also lazy, intellectual people. Like who right, refuse but to like, I mean, so they're, they're taking the sound bites. Like they're not questioning anything. They've turned into sheep, which once again is not, I mean, it's the way the system is set up. This is brilliant. The smartest people in the world who have set the system up to essentially. And they've done this over and over and over and over and over and over again. Which ties also to what you mentioned a little bit ago. Um, when those aliens in theory created us, mm. they were creating ships and like yeah, hard slave, workers. A slave so you see it on nature yeah, also. It is. It is. We're we're a slave. We're a slave race. We we are. We have an affinity to serving somebody, and so hence dictatorships. Hence you know presidents like hence you know, hence leaders of like you know uh, no uh, need company. just regular work just regular work yeah just just Re- anything like working for a company yeah like exactly there's a there's a structure and people most people want to be told what to do. And no, actually, actually, companies and, and I actually did a at, at Pepperdine. We did a little case study. Most companies want people from the neck down. They they don't want them to think. They want you, know, you check in. This is what no, you that, do. That's what I'm saying. You go with your hand. No, that's no, what I'm no. Saying. I, I know, but it's not that yeah. people want that. It's that companies want their employees to be okay. That's it. I just this is your job. Just do that. Don't do anything. But most people, I'd say eighty percent of people are complacent with that. And then there's well there's because a 20% again there, there, there's schools and uni- there's schools yeah. and universities that that's all they teach and preach and again sure. that's all they know you know I, I I give an example that if um you know every time I see somebody do something goofy I'm like well and somebody complains I'm like well if you were raised the same way they were raised and For saw sure. the same thing they would saw you'd be doing the exact 100%. same thing one hundred percent I tell people the same thing all the time when it comes to terrorism or anything like that i'm like you judge these people but if you were in their shoes and you were going up against it's not a popular you know analogy to make but like if you were a third world country by a superior invading force that technologically shit on you in every way it was coming into your country and you could not match arms with them you could not match technology with them you could not do anything your only resort the only option you have is fear it's literally blowing yourself up in the street that's all you have and for people to be like this is inhumane like this is all they have this is like war. They're fighting for their land and what they believe to be right because everybody is justified in what they do. Like this idea of like, you know, once again, good and evil doesn't really exist. There's positive and negative forces at work in the universe. Yes, but they're ultimately all in balance. And every person, even the most sick, twisted motherfuckers on the planet aren't doing things because they think they're evil. They're doing things because they think they're justified. Right, they think even if justified. the act itself may be conceived as evil, they're not doing it because they think they're evil. They're doing it because they have no other choice or they're doing it because this was the way they were raised. This is all they know. And it is a point of, of empathy and compassion that I think is lacking in the world is just this ability to understand. You can apply this to anything, apply this to, you know, uh, uh, sexism, racism, you know, sexual orientation, this inability, like why we have these divides, which I, once again, don't really believe are there. I think the media overhypes them. But uh, for the ones that are there, it's just this inability to understand what somebody else is going through to be able to put yourself in their place and be like, shit, I guess that I, I could see why this would make them feel that way. Like if I had this upbringing, if this was my life and this and that and the other. And 
I feel like society is, has had a hard time doing that as of late. And I think the thing that would fix most things in society is, is empathy. It's just the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand where they're coming from. And no, you, 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 you have to. And that's something that people will never understand what other people's struggle is. Um, we kind of touched about on the, you know, aliens and spaceships. Mm. And, and another thing that kept crossing my mind when I was watching these videos is I've never seen them talk about weapons. Mm. Uh, I've never seen anybody talk about them attacking. Mm. And then I actually heard somebody uh, say they're very peaceful in mm. the sense of like, you know, Buddha and, you know, Gandhi, you know, they're very. So, so do you do you think UFOs or, or aliens, do you think they're just they're just so fucking advanced they don't even care for war or uh some of them yeah uh, I, I, th- them. I think uh and i think many of them are just so far beyond us in evolution that we i mean spiritually especially i mean a lot of them that's why it, because uh, there's a lot of consciousness talk yeah, about this too exactly because a lot of the crafts especially the ones that witness in uh at mount adams are they're not physical crafts they're orbs they're intense intense balls of energy that are there and changing colors and pulsing and going up and down like, or like uh, expanding and decreasing, like uh, seeing a number of these things. And these, these are not necessarily physical crafts. Therefore these are, once again, this is going to get into multidimensional theory, uh, quantum physics and things like that. But these are beings that are so far down the evolutionary ladder uh, that they've transcended physical form. Because ultimately, like, we're only in a physical form right now. We are consciousness. We are a soul, if you will, that is occupying a carbon-based being that is temporal. It's a temporal vessel that will die and return to the ground from whence it came, and our soul will carry on to the next. And whatever that next thing may be on our journey, that's what it is. But for right now, we are in the third dimension. This is where we're occupying space, and this is uh, the plane of existence that we're operating on. But these other beings that are showing up here. Some of them are like sixth, seventh dimensional beings like that have transcended beyond any of the stuff that we can't. I mean, we talk about magic, you know, technology, like showing, you know, an iPhone to somebody like 1700s. Like this is beyond magic to us. It's completely impossible. It's completely incomprehensible what what these craft are, what these beings are like. We, we, we don't understand any of it. We can't understand any of it. We're trying to grasp at straws and explain some of it, but it's really hard to do. Uh, as far as like the, the weapons go, um, which is actually funny, that's perfect. Uh, we were, that's what we were talking about before with the cannon that shot like the laser uh, at the, the ship in the stratosphere. That author who I tracked down, who uh, got all the, made those four books, well, three, um, based on all the disclosure from that guy in the, black, in the group, in the black government, mentioned a number of things that we have from HARP, which is essentially our weather control device, which we have we've had and we put in place, we tested it during the Vietnam War and there is a number of videos of the pilots that operated these things and tested weather and we had changed weather during the Vietnam War to wash out bridges and do things in the Vietcong so that we could like essentially get ships and destroy like bridges that they were trying to uh, carry artillery and men across and that was a proving ground for it. We possess this technology, we've had it, which then begs the question of hurricanes and all the disasters that have taken place at places like, you know, Katrina and all these other things, why we have either not stopped them or did we feed them uh, with the you know, so so we can, we can create weather or manipulate weather or both both, both. Uh, control we can control weather. Um, then there is thing a uh, device that they call in in these books. This guy said is called like Thor's hammer, which is essentially I believe what that weapon is that you see being shot at that craft. Essentially like a pulse. It's like a, a massive pulse beam that is one of the few things that can disrupt one of these crafts that operate with an anti gravity propulsion system. So how do you really knock one of those things out of the sky if it's 
technically not here, which then gets into, you know, as, as you've watched the Bob Lazar documentary, him trying to explain how the gra- anti-gravity propulsion systems work. Right. Um, He's like, it's a bed and it's like putting a bowling yeah, ball in a bed and, and, and then putting your hand in front of it and the yeah. bowling ball rolls, rolls, rolls towards it. it. So you're just distorting they're the gravity this. in front of it. Yeah. So the, the, the vehicle's almost just rolling forward. They're, they're going, which is why if you've ever witnessed these things, they have a weird movement to them. It's, it's almost like they're on puppet strings. Like someone's like, you know, uh, dancing with like a string, like a puppet on a string or something. Um, but we, we do have this technology and so do they. And there is uh, actually the episode six of uh, Unidentified. Um, they go, and it's one of the most fascinating things in that entire series, is they go to Italy um, to talk with the head of uh, all it- Italian intelligence and military, whatever the equivalent of that guy is in his team over there. The head of all military operations. And it was basically because we're one of the only countries that is not acknowledging this phenomenon. I mean, now we are, and the reasons for that I don't think are good. Um, and I don't think they're being presented in a fair way because, once again, it seems like it is being framed only as they are a threat and that this is a problem and that, you know, but they're also still not saying aliens. They're just saying it's an unidentified aircraft. The military is acknowledging we don't know what these things are. And so they're still leaving the door open for it being, you know, uh, a man-made intelligence from, you know, a potential, you know, a China or a Russia or something like that. But if that was the case, if they believed that, they'd be shitting their pants right now because that's a military advantage that literally makes us absolutely vulnerable. Like, we can't do anything to defend them. If this was China or Russia or North Korea, any, anybody, especially if they were an enemy of the United States, we would be toast. We'd have been toast a long time ago. And so, yeah, okay, maybe it's private sector. Maybe, you know, it's, you know, a Bezos or an Elon or a Rothschild who, you know, had their own technology that they've, you know, had for a long time and are just out, you know, buzzing around and fucking with our military. Sure, could be that. Um, but it's most likely it's us and the black budget, which the government, the, the military has no uh, awareness of whatsoever. They're not privy to any of this information. They don't know anything that's going on in these black budget programs. They're operating completely independently of all congressional oversight, all budget oversight, and all military oversight. Like these, these groups have accountability to nobody. And they're siphoning off trillions of dollars every year into these programs, which is why the war on drugs is still going because that war is funding most of these operations. The war on drugs? Most of the money that we get from that. Like we're, we're allowing these cartel, these people to rise get big enough and then we just go send in seal team six and kill all of them and take all their money and all that money goes to black budgets. And then we let a new one rise and do the same thing over and over. Like the war on drugs is, the I mean, that makes sense. Everybody's wondering where that money was going anyways. For sure. It's one of the biggest, I mean the, the drug, the war on drugs, it's been admitted to be one of the, the biggest funder of the black budget programs. And so that's why this, you know, they want to keep these things illegal. When everyone's like, fucking make them illegal and crime will go down. There'll be no more issues. Like, and everybody, yeah, but they'll probably even get more money if they do legalize it. They get tax money, but that's, that's, that's on the books. Yeah, then they, yeah, they, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That so it has to be like black budget. Um, but uh, so the the weapon systems on these crap. So yeah, so Italy. So the last episode, they go to Italy and they speak to the heads of their military, and these guys are sharing with them a story that happened in Sicily, showing them pictures of this helicopter. So there's basically three fires that were started randomly in Sicily, and this is like mid two thousands maybe, um, and these fires were started from something being shot out of the water in the ocean. Something came from the water and like hit three different houses and set them on fire. 
this heli- military helicopter was dispatched to go investigate this. And while it was going, it was confronted by a UFO, by a craft in the sky. And this craft shot a beam, shot a laser at this fucking helicopter and shot it down out of the sky. A military helicopter. One of the first acts of war against, uh, you know, a civilized nation, uh, military, um, since Vietnam, basically. Uh, and so they were showing Tom and the, you know, Lou Elizondo and the heads of the, the to the stars and, you know, former ATIP programs, these pictures and discussing that, like, this is witnessed by tons of people, our pilots, our military, our radar, like this guy was shot out of the sky. Here's the hole, the laser that came from this thing completely. It's like almost like a pulse beam that like, we don't even know. We have no idea what it was. All that it knows is that this thing defied all laws of physics. Do they have pictures of the craft? Uh, yeah, there's well, there's a picture that a civilian took of the helicopter being chased by this thing, and you'd see this fucking craft saucer okay. going after it. Like, yeah, but do, do they have a picture of of the helicopter, of the whole of the damage and everything else? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they show the pictures of it. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I kind of want to dive into we're we're talking about uh, segueing somewhat into weapons when you're talking about like what weapons do they possess and things like that, and uh, and do they have some? Because a lot of the videos that I'm watching, they never talk about weapons, they never talk about anything. I, I've never seen anything from spaceships or videos mm. that were getting attacked we talked about yeah. us mm-hmm. shooting them with maybe their technology but nobody's talking about you know super duper weapons so they do obviously they have uh, insanely developed technology that's beyond anything we can kind of comprehend uh, or contend with um i think the best way to do this is i want to give the audience and you guys a Kind of like a, a very brief overview on, if you will, the past hundred years of our interaction with the UFO phenomena, uh, as well as our suppression of information, as well as our um, the government's research into this topic. Now, for anybody that is, you know, still skeptical on this, I mean, God help you, I'm, I'm, I'm approaching this uh, kind of with the pretense that, like, this is a foregone conclusion. You know, just just based on the math, which I think I might have touched on briefly. Um, Last uh, last time that this is this is a mathematical certainty that there's life outside this planet, and I'm going to go through this really 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 quick before I dive into this whole backstory. But just for the basics, 13.8 billion year old universe, a 13.6 billion year old galaxy that we dwell in, which has 200 billion stars. Every star has an average of 10 exoplanets minimum, and hundreds of moons. But for the sake of argument, hundreds. I, I, oh, yeah. I would have guessed it would be a lot more than oh, that. I, I'm being so right. conservative. I'm being so okay, conservative. Okay, okay. This is just for the sake of. I mean, every number I'm giving is beyond conservative, and the point will still be abundantly clear. Um, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, in our own galaxy alone, 200 billion stars, 10, 10 exoplanets per star, and 10 moons. Let's just say 10 moons. Just say okay. 10 moons total. So you have 200 billion times 10 times 10. That is 20 trillion possibilities for life. So let's take a really conservative, conservative percentage of that that might house intelligent life. Let's just start by saying 0.00001%, which I think is one ten thousandth of a percent or something like that. 0.00005, or four zeros and a one. So five digits beyond decimal point of that 20 trillion. That is 200 million planets that could house life. But let's just say people are like, oh, man, the, the math on that is still, there would be way less than even one one thousandth of a percent or one ten thousandth of a percent. Okay, fine. Let's just say it's point zero 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 one percent Ten zeros and a one. 20 trillion times that is going to give you 2,000 planets. So let's just say in our galaxy, which is 160,000 light years across, there is 
just 2,000 planets that house intelligent life. But then you take a look at the universe. And the universe right now is we constantly keep uh, increasing the number of galaxies that we know are in it. But let's just, right now they're saying it's anywhere between 200 billion and 2 trillion galaxies. Let's just say 200 billion again. Let's just say 200, that's my watch. Let's just say 200 billion galaxies in the known universe. The largest galaxy of which has 100 trillion stars. One galaxy, 100 trillion stars. We're going to throw that out. For the sake of numbers, again, we're just going to say, let's take that 200 billion galaxies and times an average of 500 billion stars per galaxy. Because our galaxy is really tiny. And there's obviously ones that have 100 trillion stars. Yeah. So we're not going to go 100 trillion. We'll just say 500, 500 billion. That's a small number. 200 billion, <laughs> 200 billion galaxies times 500 billion stars times 10 exoplanets times 10 moons times, once again, the point zero 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 one percent that there is life. With that, you have one quadrillion possibilities of life in the universe, which has nearly 14 billion years of evolution. Our planet has 4.8 billion years of evolution. So there are planets that have evolved for roughly 9 billion years longer than us in the galaxy. It is not a mathematical probability that there is life. It is an absolute certainty that there is life. And there is an absolute certainty that there is a mass amount of life within our galaxy alone. And not just life like us, life that we can't even comprehend. Just because like, there, there are species that grow up that can thrive uh, and, and grow in you know, nitrogen atmospheres. We've already seen it. That cave that was just discovered somewhere like Romania or something like that where they found uh, like 30 new species of animals. This cave has been sealed for 5 million years. It's this was recent? Yeah, has not seen anything. They found 30 new species of animals that have survived in zero oxygen. Like, like zero, had not, The cave had not seen any any fresh air, any light of day for 5 million years. And they found 30 new species of creatures that have somehow managed to survive in pitch black with like no air and all this stuff. They must have life wild as fuck. Oh yeah. Like they're hybrids of like scorpions and cra- like crazy shit. Google is, is, is mind blowing, but life according to Jurassic park to quote it, life finds a way it does. And there, the universe is teeming with it. Okay. So we, we need to stop this debate about whether or not life exists and exists, not without yeah. you. It exists. Well, it exists. What, 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 do you, what do you think to the question of, um, there's always a first. It wouldn't be on a planet that's 4.8 billion years old in a galaxy that's 13.8. I can tell you that much. That's true. <laughs> it, it would have happened a long fucking time yeah. ago and it did. And you know, once we, we, we touched on, which hopefully if we have time, we can really dive into the origin story of our species and the interaction between the the ETs that created us, the hybrid, you know, human race essentially that we are. Do you think um, we were created here? Or you think we were dropped off? I think we were created here. You think we were yeah, created I think on we were Earth? Created here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Evolution. Was, uh, no, I mean, I think we the, evolved as a monkey, and then the splicing of DNA with the monkey and, and uh, a different race, not of this world, that came here. But you don't think we were dropped off? I don't think we were dropped off. Could be. But I, I, I just always bring that point up because we're just not comfortable here. Yeah, well, we're not. But we're, I think that's part of our DNA. Part of our the genetic splicing that took place is of a species that's not from here. And so part of that longingness is to the stars, is from wherever the planet is that we come from, which, you know, the Egyptians believed was Orion. Uh, and so, I mean, that Orion and Sirius. And so these are what a lot of the ancients believed to be our origin or where we go and we die, the path of the soul, the, the Duat, the Book of the Dead, the Tibetan Book of the Dead. These things all talk about essentially the soul's journey too this place um but i say that just once again because i don't i don't want to have to like uh, defend that because i feel like at this point i feel like we know enough now 
that it, it, it's just that debate is just utterly pointless to make anymore. Life exists. Whether or not you want to believe that they're here or not, that is what I'm going to try and prove to people is that they're here, they've been here, and they have interfered with us since our beginning. So for the past hundred years within our country, we have had interactions with them. We've had interactions with them since the dawn of time, but let's just say for the past since the 1930s, since essentially the first real UFO encounters that took place from Roswell in, uh, in 1940, um, 43, I believe, or 47. Once again, these are going to be the dates. If I can't remember off the top of my head, just bear with me. It's going to be a vague time. 1940s. Um, there was in the 1930s through kind of 50s, such a massive influx of UFO uh, sightings in this country. And people, you know, no one's alive for this, really, who's alive today. I mean, there's some people. But like back then, this was like a big fucking deal. UFOs were being seen all the time. All the time. And it was so frequent, in fact, that the military had to do something about it because the outcry from the public was getting so big. So the government then had to take this position of like, okay, well, we're going to investigate this. And I'm saying this because, once again, if this wasn't real, people, if this wasn't a real phenomenon, there would not be the countless studies done by the most brilliant people in our government and science community investigating this phenomena that did before all the information was suppressed. And there wouldn't be the embarrassment of riches. If this was any other subject matter, the amount of proof that is out there supporting this would have been accepted in any academic circle forever ago. But it's not. It's taboo. And it is looked upon as something of conspiracy and something, you know, crazy, which was a part of the programming was if you used to say this in the 60s and 70s, it was meant to be viewed that you had a psychological program. That was the propaganda, the counterintelligence and the disinformation campaigns. That was what to, they were to the public. For. But yet so scientists were interested in sure. everybody that's 100%. encountered or saw yes. or said. 100%. But that was how they were trying to do it because they knew that the best way to deter you, which we might have talked about last time, the best way to deter you from looking into a subject is by having your peers be the one to shame you for it. Because if the government says you're crazy for it, you'd be like, fuck you, government. Like, I don't care what you think. But if your parents, your friends, your coworkers, if you say something to them and they like, oh, fucking Robert's crazy guy, UFO nut, you are going to be far more reluctant to say you saw something, which is usually the case with most UFO abductees and people who've witnessed UFOs uh, in their life. They're usually afraid to come forward. Less now, more, you know, more people are more bold now and coming forward than they used to. But since that period of time, the government basically instituted what was known as the first, the first real study into the UFO phenomenon called Project Grudge. And I'm going to list all of these things because there's, they're so detailed and so much to go into. But for those of you listening... These are the key things for you to start looking into on your own. And most of them are declassified, so you can go and, and, and look into this. Even though the conclusions they've drawn are absolute, utter horseshit, but that's already been proven that they were owned by the CIA, they were controlled. And the reason for these programs was never to prove UFOs were real. It was to discredit that they were real and find ways of essentially saying, look, it's not, this is a weather anomaly or it's like a, a balloon in the sky or some other such nonsense. And any person that's really seen one of these with their real eyes knows 100% that is not what they are. Um, but Project Grudge was the first thing that was instituted. Project Grudge then turned into Project Sign. Project Sign then was converted into what is widely known as Project Blue Book, which they have a TV series on History Channel, which is now like an X-Files where they're doing fictional episodes based on the, some of the top UFO uh, cases that were studied in Project Blue Book. But it's basically Project Blue Book was run by the Air Force and was taken to compile all of the UFO sightings. There was tens of thousands of these things coming in. So many UFO sightings from around the country, from pilots, from civilians, from military people, like 
all over. Granted, 80% of them could be explained away, but 20% couldn't. But that 20% was suppressed, and then the government deliberately focused on the ones from Joe Blow Hillbilly who was like, I saw something in the backyard, like, so that they could basically discredit it. And like, oh, this is just a weather anomaly, see? Or this was just this or just that, like the Northern Lights, you know, whatever it was. Deliberately framed it in a way and completely suppressed all the ones that could not be uh, explained or identified. Then you had the Condon Committee. Then you had the Comator Report. Then you had things like Project, and by the way, Comator Report and Project Yeah, I was going to say break, break them down a little bit as you go so, through. So Condon Report, uh, or the Condon Committee, also the Condon Report, um, and it was also the same, similar as the Robertson Panel. These were things that were put together essentially by high-level academics and military officials, but were, uh, they are said to be scientific and academic, but were funded by the NSA and the, and the CIA. Yeah. Like, and so once yeah, again, in the, and now it's admitted like the same thing. These guys and the people who worked on these panels uh, all came forward and said, like, we were literally, our, our agenda from the start, our directive was to not take this seriously and just disprove it. Like, that was it. It was never meant to be a serious investigation into any of this. It was all meant to, once again, just kind of... Um, Prove it wrong. And so, you know, the Condon Committee was set up by the CIA and controlled by them. The Colorado study, uh, which was done at the University of Colorado by a professor and physicist, Edward Condon, uh, who was the head of the Independent Scientific Investigation on the UFOs, after the embarrassment of Project Blue Book and essentially what was known as the swamp gas cover-up. So there was a mass sighting that took place, uh, Ohio, I think, um, was known as the swamp gas uh, incident. And so there's about 200 co-ed students and like five police officers that have sent, essentially witnessed these UFO crafts like flying uh, around essentially their school. Like everybody came out and saw it. They were flying around, chased by police officers, like coming, like, you know, hovering over police cars, like 50 feet above them. This whole mass sighting that took place. And these idiots at Project Blue Book came out. And they had to discredit this because this was a mass sighting. And so they said it was swamp gas which was the most ridiculous, yeah. insane, stupid fucking Just hearing explain. that yeah, sounds yeah. stupid. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it's just, you know, like a little fireball that could be created by plant erosion or some shit and then, like, you know, igniting, and that was what they saw. Like, are you kidding me? Like, first off, just absolute insult, an insult to the intelligence of the, the American people, but also to the people who witnessed this thing and were changed for the rest of their life from seeing it. That made Project Blue Book, essentially, that was the downhill spiral of them that lost all their credibility and that the public realized that they were full of shit. So the Air Force essentially drew their conclusion with Project Blue Book and said, okay, well, we're discontinuing this because we have decided that these unidentified aerial phenomena that we're experiencing are not a threat to the sanctity of the U.S. or our airspace. They're not a threat to us. Therefore, it does not warrant any more investigation. They didn't say they weren't real. They just said we've determined they're not a threat. So they closed Project Blue Book publicly naturally kept it open, you know, on a, a secret military level and continued this investigation very, very heavily. But they lost, lost the credibility. They then did the, uh, the Condon report, a.k.a. the Condon Committee, which was with these scientists, uh, a panel that was put together at the University of Colorado, but was also funded by the CIA. And they drew the same conclusion, a 1,480-page uh, uh, paper, essentially, drawing their conclusion, which was all absolute, utter nonsense and was later found out to be the same thing. And then you had the Robertson panel, which was declassified in 1975 and outlawed the government's cover-ups, disinformation strategies for propaganda and debunking the UFOs. Um, 
They were to infiltrate private groups, spy on them as well, uh, outlined education programs, movies, false explanations, etc. I mean, um, this is a timeline breaking down every single... Everything. This is in order of how these, of all these government... Um, this is something you created, you put together based on... Oh, yeah, real, you, real stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is this your own list? or is people, Okay, yeah, I was yeah, going to yeah. see if people can access something. Oh, no, they can access all this online. Okay. I'm giving you, like, the, the key list. So, like, I'm going to run through the names one more time. These are things that you just pause, rewind, and go back if you want to dive into these and know the origin. And it starts kind of in this or- order. Project Grudge, Project Sign, Project Blue Book, the Robertson Panel, the Condon Committee, a.k.a. the Condon Report, the Cometa Report, which is the British one, which we'll talk about now. Project Candon, which is the French one, which we'll also talk about. National Security Act of 1947, which was a creation of the NSA, the NSC, and MJ-12, the Majestic 12. The Majestic 12 is in of itself another thing to dive into. That was a secret committee that was put together by the higher-ups of the military and government to look into the UFO phenomena. Um, you know, They've tried to pretend like this wasn't a real thing and didn't exist, but it 100% does, and there's enough... Uh, documentation to prove that um and then you have you know current things going on like a tip which is in the um the unidentified series which is aatip advanced aerial threat uh identification program um then things like operation paperclip therein these these are just some just to get started some things <laughs> just to get started when i say there is an embarrassment of proof you have to realize there is Tons more. These are just official government reports. Operator, uh, the Cometa report was essentially done um, by the MOD, the Ministry of Defense, in um, uh, in Britain, um, and that was essentially uh, there. They monitored, I think, from 1996 to 2002, 12,000 UFO cases. Um, and they then declassified them and released them to the public. Um, oh, wait, no, was it Project Candon? UK's defense, sorry, my apologies. Project Candon, uh, C-A-N-D-I-G-N, was the, the MOD's one. Um, and they basically released, uh, it's like 12,000, uh, declassified 12,000 UFO reports, 10,000 UFO reports in 2006. And so this, once again, under the Freedom of Information Act, you can go through and look. Uh, the UK didn't care. They're like, here you go. Here's the here's here's ten thousand cases that we've been studying. You guys can check them out. Naturally, tons of them are redacted. Like it's never a full full release, yeah. but enough so that the point is the point is still there. Um, so then it must be the Cometa report um, is the French one. The French drew the conclusion at the end of the Cometa report that UFOs are in fact real and they are in fact not of this world. That was the conclusion of the heads of their military and the heads of their government, and they wrote some twelve hundred page report documenting this as well after studying it for many, many years. This was released to a, a New York Times reporter, I believe, uh, who was herself a major skeptic. And then she wrote the book, UFOs, Generals, Pilots, and Government Officials Go on the Record. And it was after they sent her a private copy of this as a skeptic that she, Leslie Keen is the, is the author and uh, was the, um, the reporter, I believe, New York Times. Once again, don't quote me on that. But she was a reporter. We won't. Um, she then, she probably will. Yeah. She wrote uh, she wrote this book which outlines, you know, some of the biggest cases that there ever were. Um and once again as the title suggests, generals, pilots and government officials go on the record. So there have been countless reports, the same in Italy like we we're talking about with the one that got shot down. Um 
they all have, same with Russia, they all have, it's not like this is only happening in America, in America. it's happening everywhere. Worldwide. America is the well, one. Well, they had the stuff in Peru, they had stuff sure. in oh, South yeah. America, oh, yeah. they South stuff America in Mexico. Mexico's full of it, tons of sightings yeah. in, in South America, Mexico. Yeah, every, 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 everybody's fucking reported something. And yeah. Everybody has seen the videos. Even the people that don't look for it have seen a video of like, look what just happened here. Yep. And it's, but it, this is the thing though, is it's the government has been investigating this and still are heavily. And they have classified, declassified, and done so much stuff. You think if this was nonsense that they would have ever invested over the past hundred years, the resources that they have into this and the, the amount of money that they have put into suppressing this for counterintelligence and disinformation campaigns, for destroying people's careers and reputations of anybody. And killing come people out, in some killing cases. Killing people, 100% killing people. Uh, there are tons of deathbed confessions that I've watched of people who worked at places like Area 51, people who worked for crash retrieval, uh, UFO crash retrieval teams whose stole, sole job was to go retrieve wreckage from UFOs that we shot down. Um, and talk about the bodies that they encountered, living and dead, uh, the things that they saw. These guys have nothing to gain. They're not on CNN. No one's paying them anything. Like, they have held this secret their whole entire life, and now they're going to die, and they don't care anymore. And they're like, look, the world needs to know this because this changes fucking everything. Changes everything. <laughs> and it does. It changes everything. And which is why I get so unbelievably passionate about it because it, this is one subject that, you know, the government completely suppresses uh but there's many of them they do. I, I, I got to ask, and, I, and I'm not trying to break away from, yeah. from this, this train of thought. You've been doing this for over 10 years. What got you? What, what was the spark? What was the moment where you're like, fuck, this is some deep shit. This is where I'm going to spend the next 10. This is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life just researching this. Uh, it didn't necessarily start with that. but What was the aha moment? like? The aha moment was, I, like I said, I, I was raised in a very kind of conservative Christian upbringing. And uh, I was the guy in college who would debate everybody. Like every, <laughs> I was captain, captain Christian conservative guy who debate every raging liberal that was out there. Like I was the one guy in the sea of them. And like, I was a great debater, like a very good debater. I was kind of what I want nationals at. And Granted, most people can't debate. Most people only know talking points. Most people are not educated on subjects to be able to debate them with any form of uh, intellectual integrity whatsoever. But there were some. And those some, especially when it came to debating uh, religion, that threw things at me that I didn't have answers for, that were holes in my faith that I also couldn't reconcile. That if I yeah. was going to be intellectually honest with myself, uh, I had the choice. It's either that moment, and everybody has it, where they're either going to blindly follow something despite contradictory ev evidence or they're going to swallow their pride, admit they're wrong, and learn more. Yeah. And that was the moment for me when I had to do that because there are things that I couldn't reconcile within that. And that led me then to, well, like we talked about before, I only believe this because I was raised to believe it. If I was if I was, you know, raised in the Middle East, I would be believing a completely different thing. Yeah. And I would be completely justified to believe that. Like that would be my paradigm. That would be my reality. And so the only reason why I believed what I believed was by because I was raised where I was by the people I was raised by. And they, you know, once again, are amazing people, did the best they could with what they knew at the time, and that's how life works. It's the same with all of our parents, like the same yeah. with everything. But I had I, I could not reconcile those those holes, those issues. And so that led the investigation, like, well, then I should probably, if I'm ever going to say I believe in something, like a faith, like in, in a God or religion or anything, I definitely need to know what all the others are saying, what every other religion has to say, because they all think they're right. 
what makes me think I'm right? How, how dare I say that my, my way is the right way when I've never looked into anybody else's religion or anybody else's explanation for the origin of us and why we're here, where we're going, the fundamental questions that plague every human being. Why are we here? Where are we going? What does it all mean? What is God? Like, what is purpose? Like, all of this stuff. So then I started looking into other religions. Naturally started looking into science, what science had to say, what is its explanation, which you're bombarded with throughout school anyway. But it's also just a very, uh, very agenda-ridden, limited view on science. And science is one of the worst religions there is. Uh, And I always say, you know, my brother even says uh, that it progresses one funeral at a time. And it does, because these people, these scientists who devote their life to one field of study— have given 30 years to it. They're like, literally, you talk about like a, some pastor who's devoted his whole life to a religion. You think like at the very last minute he's going to change his tune and risk like his whole entire life being his alive? Career, his, his career, his family, safety. No, they're not. Kids. No. It's ego 100%. And science is full of some of the biggest egomaniacs that there are and they're stubborn more than anything. And they, and so it, they say it doesn't, pro- it progresses one funeral at a time because it takes the old guard dying and the new, the new blood coming in you know, for them to like, uh, for the, a, a new, new information to be accepted and shared where it's normally repressed, ridiculed, and, you know, shamed out of existence by their academic peers. Uh, so, you know, the went into science, science led into space, led into the reality of the universe. And once you start diving into, which is really what it started with just the absolute vastness of space. It's so fascinating. So fucking fascinating. It's hypnotizing. It's beautiful. It's poetic. It's fucking, it's amazing. It is. It's, it's one of the most magnificent things. It's scary too. It is. It is. You know why they call space space? Why? Because there's so much of it. So much of it. That's right. Uh, But it's one of those things that when you look at like, it's, it's, and I think this is one of the things that we've lost in our digital. digital (laughs) I'm his face. I love love I'm his face. He's going to use that one tomorrow at work. I'm taking that. Bro, you've told me that one like 400 times. It's not for you, bro. Don't tell me. <laughs> but it's one of the things I think we've lost. Um, <laughs> Fuck, I'm sorry. Go ahead. With uh, with technology and just the advancement of uh, civilization in our industrial cities and the light, like light pollution, we don't see the stars anymore. Back in the day, that's what I was going to say when you were we, talking about back in the days, light pollution. Yeah, we used to be able to stare everything. out and look at the stars, and like at night, you lay out in your tent in your village and wherever you were, and you would look up at the majesty above you. And you would contemplate your just absolute, you're a speck of dust. And like, what at all? It's a, it was a humbling moment that we don't do anymore. We don't get anymore because we don't see the stars. Unless you're at fortunate all. enough to like, you know, live outside of one of these cities. But even then, most people aren't just laying out in their backs when they're kids. You know, maybe you're outside on a trampoline, you know, sleeping outside at night or whatever, like, and you're looking up and pondering those questions. But we've lost that. And when you do that, like, it, the wonder it fills fills you with, and the humbling that happens to your soul of like, I am nothing. This planet is nothing. Like, what does it all mean? Like, we're just a speck of dust. I mean, it gave you the numbers and the size of the, like the universe. No, it's, it's it's insane. I I think the last crazy fact also that I was just uh, reading about was that we're now they're they're realizing that the you know the solar system is not just still; it's actually moving through it's expanding. For sure, yeah, yeah. Well, it, oh, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, well yeah, it's moving. expanding, yeah. but we're moving as as well yeah. as we're rotating. We're yeah. actually moving, and it's space like, is it's, constant. That's the theory, is, you know, because everything is expanding out, it, and every and every galaxy is, is you know surrounded by a black hole. Yeah. That is what is at the center of it. So we're all you know we're in a spiral galaxy. We're in a spiral galaxy. Everything's and, being sucked then, into that. And then you're like, fuck, man, we're just these people with bones, and our skins being hang on to our bones, and we're just flying through and space. Anything and can kill us. We're anything. so susceptible to death. Like at all times, like where whenever you lose your health for a second, yeah, you a, realize there, how fragile you are. There's a guy that that describes us as a, 
uh, blood balloons. We're yeah. blood balloons, you know? Anything yeah. touched, yeah. you know? It's true. We're so fucking delicate. Little meat puppets. And it's, it's, but that, that was what led to it. It was then that, that fascination and that exploration of the universe, um, that exploration of the universe that ultimately led to then life outside of us. Right. And that was where it all started because once I dove into the reality and I really dove into space, I really dove into like the science of it, the vastness of it. Like I watched dude, I can't tell you how many countless documentaries and, and books and stuff just on that. And it's in the collusion. There's just like, there's no way there's not life. There's no way there's not life out there. there there's no way. And then that led to me then investigating, um, the, uh, the phenomena itself. And that started the, the rabbit hole and it is a rabbit hole. And once you go down it, you will never come out. Like you can't, you can't unknown. What, what, you can't unsee the things that you, what, what do you see. think? Um, what, what, I mean, before people start diving in and jump into this rabbit hole, I mean, is there people that you'd recommend? Like you probably shouldn't do it because it's fucking deep and it's just going to fuck, you know, it's going to, it's going to wake you up at a point. It's going to change the way everything looks. And cause there's people, I'm sure there's people that lost their wives, not you know mm. to death, but because their wives are like, I can't stand this shit. Mm. Like, you quit your job or you mm. did this. It, it changed your lifestyle. Well, Do you think this is recommended for for yeah, many people? I, th- I think or? it is, but I mean, I think that's a personality trait of more than anything. Because some think, people get fucking addicted. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was very all consuming for me, but I never let it you know take over my my social life. I guess uh, maybe I did, uh, but like it, it was. Uh, to me, it was nothing was more important than this because it was the fundamental questions of our existence in the universe and our paradigm that we have all blindly accepted by the ruling elite that have told us this, whether it was from religious institutions or uh, tyrannical governments or whoever was put in power, like they have dictated <laughs> what the reality of our, our existence is and refused to, to bend on it. I mean, look at every, you know, Egyptologist that's out there. Like they refuse to compromise on the reality of new information that's been brought forth about the reality of that civilization, how old it really is, um, and what they were really fixated on, and the technology they really possessed, they refused to change that that narrative. Um, I, I think it is for everybody, man. I, I can tell you this though: that the the first two years of it for me were were kind of dark. But the times are different too. Yeah, because you had to dig a little bit deeper to get the information that now we could just. Yeah, I I did, but it was also it was it was kind of a dark time because it was the paradigm shift is it's not easy it's a difficult adjustment when you realize everything your life you believe to be true is not anymore and especially if that's grounded in, in a religious ideology uh that is very difficult when you talk of heaven and hell and where your soul's going and stuff that you're raised to believe and you're suddenly now like uh what do I believe now? Am I going to go to hell for thinking? Like, you know, if, if you don't, not a religious person, you don't ever have to deal with that. But like, you know, <laughs> that Catholic guilt type thing. Um, but that was a difficult period. But once I got through it, I have never been more at peace ever in my entire life because this reality is far more amazing, far more encouraging and far more peaceful than anything. The reality, the nature of the soul, the infinite aspect of it that we are uh, this energy source that is a part of god the ultimate source that you know is the creator of all things you know neither masculine nor feminine like this this god-like energy that it, it does not care about the things that we claim it cares about in in religion <laughs> like it, it, the things that are used for control those laws those rules those things like that that really suppress people that really suppress their their creativity their their happiness their 
uh, their desires to, to do things. Um, the infinite nature of the soul, man, this is just one of our experiences. Like this is just one life that yeah. we're going to live out of so many, so, so many. And that is the coolest it, thing. That, of all. That's, that's wild. That, that eliminates the fear of death. That eliminates all power that can be held over you in this life. And yeah, religion does offer that to a degree, but it also offers a very scary look at the afterlife if you don't but abide I, I, by these rules right, like, but and things it, like that. Exactly. But I think religion was more created to, you know, create law and, and tell people, hey, don't don't kill, don't yeah. murder, don't do this, this is not right. You know, it, it created balance. And if it wasn't for a religion, there probably we probably wouldn't have this many people in the world. Well, society definitely needs rules uh to occupy or to 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 live by guidelines guidelines but like i think most rational people are going to abide by them inherently uh i I mean it's it's when you get into the crazy rules of like don't jerk off timmy because god's watching you and you're going to go to hell like (laughs) deny your you know your literally your biological primal drive that you have inherently genetically in you like deny that for your life monkeys do it and they're not concerned about no Nothing. Well, that, like, that's that's how that's how the, the they were they were talking about because then it was like you can't masturbate because the devil's watching. Yeah, you're gonna yeah. go to hell. Then it was like okay, you couldn't masturbate or you could do whatever you want, but you have to finish inside of a woman <laughs> because you know you have to create baby because that's what yeah. man and woman was we made for. More population. Then they like, found yeah. out the whole you know animal, and they're like, wait a minute, there's there's you know male and male. There's some gay animal sex going on. So and that's in nature. So that must be normal it just there's, there's, it changes there, there's so much i mean like i said when you dive into the the legalism of a lot of religions most of that is man-made most of that was never in any original text whatsoever oh 100 and almost all religions stem from essentially ancient sumer ancient sumer was the oldest recorded religion that's where we get our origin epic the origin story of like adam and eve uh i mean i think that goes back what six thousand max mm-hmm. religions mm-hmm. We've yeah. been around for what? Our current species has been around for what? Well, Two hundred thousand years? Yeah, I think they found the like current three hundred thousand something like that. Now, but yeah, no, no, it goes, it goes, yeah, it goes yeah. back. Yeah, but yeah. our current, current, yeah. you know, that's what um, they say. But like, but yeah, and so who's they? Do, 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 do. No, scientists. Uh, scientists. You yeah, which was the question? Then there you go. Do why? We need more. I wish you were doing that the whole time. Yeah. So anyway. Back to uh, did I did I answer the question before I jump back in? What was the original question? I think we got it. We might have just went off on a tangent. I, I think I think yeah. I don't. The original question was pretty fucking deep. Okay, I think we got it. We covered. It? If not, we're going. We're we're diving back Look, in. We're diving back in. You were going to talk about origin. I think I will, but let me finish. Let me finish the the past hundred years of this. Um, so I've given you some of the things to look look into uh, as far as particular uh, reports and things of that nature. You need to realize that there have been also countless pilots and military officials that have come forward from World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War, who, and the whole, I mean, the band Foo Fighters got their name from Foo Fighters, which is what we called UFOs that we encountered in World War II. UFOs that would fuck with our planes, shoot them down. That's right, the Foo Fighters are super UFO. Yep, and we're always around and always fucking with our our Air Force and Naval Air Force uh, throughout World War II. Foo Fighters were the term that was used, codenamed back then, to uh, tell, you know, essentially command uh, that there are UFOs around. And there are these unidentified things, they call them Foo Fighters. Same thing happened, um, and there are tons of reports of, and you can watch them, you know, Google them, um, 
MUFON Network uh, has a lot of these. Uh, they have, like, I think a, a show called Hangar One, which is actually decent, all things considered, um, to get a lot of these stories. Uh, MUFON is a mutual UFO network, which is essentially one of the public um, domains where people, uh, if you see a UFO, you report it to them. And it's a very rigorous process of everything you have to fill out, time, date, location, like altitude where things were a full written report then pictures and videos and then they have their team that goes through and just checks for the credibility they should create an app they have an app i think yeah it'd be easier because it just has a time place video like citizen yeah yeah, yeah. anyways i I mean i don't know yeah i don't know how in depth the the app would be with that yet but like it's they have a reporting mechanism and so they have a show based on this some of the the most compelling uh ufo reports um and they have a lot of them from like military people and a lot of the, you know, an episode that's dedicated strictly to like the Vietnam war and the Korean war and the stories of these things shooting our blowing up our, uh, uh, battleships and, uh, outside the China sea and up these rivers. So they, the, they have attacked 100%. They attacked because our initial, um, operating procedure by the military was if you would see them engage them, if you're in war and they're there, like shoot them. And every time they did that, we got fucked up. They destroyed us. It wasn't even fair. Tons of pilots were shot down. Tons of like ships were destroyed. And it got to a point that post the Vietnam War, that finally we had to change our protocol. And the military changed its directive. And once again, this just proves this happened so often that the military put out protocol saying that if you see them, do not engage. And furthermore, get the fuck out of their way. If you see them, you didn't see them. And that is it. You leave them alone. They're there. And that's it. That became the protocol since the 70s. Post-Vietnam War, that has been the military's reaction to these things. Hence what you even see with the gimbal, the tic-tac, and the, the go-fast videos that were just declassified. These guys didn't engage. They didn't do anything. They observed them. But they didn't shoot anything at them. I think a number of them didn't even have ordnance on their, their fighter jets when they ran into them. One of them was on a training mission. But that is the protocol. So the military has this in fact. So they, it, it shows one of two things. One, it's all that they, they, it's us and they don't want us to shoot down our own craft because like if we're fired upon, they're going to fire upon them. But it also shows that there is a, a technology that exists by unknown occupants that has been around since the freaking forties that has been shooting us out of the sky. And they're always around during military conflict. Always, every single war throughout history, why, why, they have why? been there. Uh, I mean, the, the speculation is that they're observing us. Uh, they've shut, they've, I mean, there's countless reports of this too. Uh, they hang out around our nuclear facilities during, you know, uh, the Manhattan Project, uh, which was essentially the creation of the atom bomb, it was called the Manhattan Project. And so that essentially took place in what's called the NTS, the Nevada Test Sites, which is where Area 51 is. The, the, somebody was telling me that, or not telling me, but one of the videos I was watching that you recommended was talking about. They don't want the human species to, you know, fucking blow up our fucking planet. Yeah, blow up our yeah, fucking yeah. planet. And so that's that is one of the theories. Stephen Greer takes that uh, takes that um, stance, but he believes that it's all benevolent and they're here to like you know make sure that we like if they care about us and like you know maybe uh, or maybe they're also just checking to make sure that you know see where we're at, see yeah. if we, have we evolved, like have we got to this point? Well, last time you were also talking about our resources. Mm-hmm. they're interested or they're yeah. protecting it or yeah i mean and we you know we are ourselves a potential resource uh which gets into a, a different aspect of the abduction phenomena and what some of their uh intents for us are um well this, and and there's a point that, that i think you mentioned to me at some point 
that they don't want us to send uh, nuclear weapons to the to space. Yeah, yeah. It, and we, they've they've disconnected. We you know, split this, the atom. Yeah. And when we did that, we we have no clue. When you talk about then quantum physics and multiple dimensional theory, we don't know the ramifications of what happens when we split an atom. <laughs> like yeah. you're splitting the very fabric of space and time. That has ramifications not just here, but in other dimensions that we're not even aware of. And when we did that, that was when we saw the biggest mass influx of UFO presence on our planet. The creation of the atom bomb historically was when the mass influx of UFO activity happened on our planet and has not left ever since. Ever since we possess nuclear weapons, they have been here in force. There's theories and, you know, that one guy in the black government says because we... Um, with the Philadelphia experiment, when we essentially cloaked this aircraft carrier, we made it disappear and reappear 300 miles away, um, which, you know, there's a debate whether or not that really happened, but there's enough information about it that Tesla was a part of it. Uh, Einstein was a part of it. Uh, Werner von Braun was a part of it. And um, they were a part, uh, they got a lot of the guys from the Manhattan Project while we were creating the atom bomb to work on the Philadelphia experiment. And essentially it was, we found a way to cloak a ship, not just make it disappear from radar, to actually make it disappear. And so the, the stories with this go is it disappeared and uh, we had like a minimal crew on it of like 25 guys or something like that. And there's guys that were outside on the ship and there are a couple of guys that were in near like the reactor core of this, uh, the technology essentially that was allowing it to essentially transcend space and time and reappear somewhere else. Everybody that was outside of that room where that took place, when the ship reappeared, were essentially ripped to pieces and fused into the steel of the ship like body parts like Oof. sewn and like fused into the, the ship in different areas. And the guys that were not were inside essentially as so the people as, outside were infused, infused yeah, and but people the people away. inside inside were fine. But as weeks went on, essentially like there were these time rifts that essentially like they all ended up disappearing. One of them just like the story goes, he, got up, he's watching like TV and went up and just walked through a wall and disappeared and never came back. Sounds again. like some fucking Twilight Zone yeah, shit. Yeah. It's so fucking it is. crazy. It is. But when we did that, the rumor is that we also tore holes in space and time. We tested this thing a number of times. And when we did, we created portals to other dimensions that we're not aware of us, that we're not aware of our presence. And now they're aware of our presence. And now they're here. And some of them are not as friendly as others. I say these things, this is, you know, once again, 10 years of investigating everything. So I take in all information, how much of this I can verify, not much. So I, it's not necessarily what I'm going to lead off with when I'm talking to people about trying to build credibility in the subject matter. Yeah. Uh, this is going to require a little more suspension of disbelief. However, once you see this stuff with your own eyes, once you admit to yourself and realize that it is real and your paradigm shifts, you have no choice but to accept all of these as possible. Because then it is all possible. Nothing is science fiction anymore. It is all real. Everything is well, possible. I, I, think there, I think there's proof of that now in the sense of everything we saw in the Star Wars movies, everything we saw in Star Trek oh, back yeah. in the 70s, 80s, their little tablets, all this shit. Like, we're seeing it now. Science like, fiction becomes science fact. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's it's and, gnarly. And that's been disclosure. A part and, of the and that's another crazy thing. How did these fucking directors and movies get so much information? You know, to make these predictions. I mean, it wasn't a prediction at the time. It was a movie. Like, oh, the future's going to be this. I mean, at at this point, I think the only people the only people that got it wrong that everybody thought would be right was Back to the Future. The fucking hoverboard skateboards. Still fucking waiting for that thing. Yeah, or God, flying cars. I wanted that so bad. That, that's the only well, thing well, that you we, see. we do have those but things. But the Star Trek yeah. stuff and oh, yeah. and the Star Wars has more more shit that's 
we're doing now than sure. than anything else. For sure. I, I, yeah, I wanted the hoverboard so fucking bad. Oh, we all wanted kid. the hoverboard. God, wanted and, and I wanted the fucking flying car, too. Yeah. But Elon Musk says never. Yeah. Well, I mean, it... it, it it, it already exists, but it's not in that form. Yeah, but you, you wouldn't need a car. N- no, like, yeah. never that. Yeah, yeah he, he said you want a flying car, just put wheels on a helicopter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it, it is. It, it's yeah. not it, the flying car is impractical by nature as far as what we would. Air pollution, yeah, air yeah, noise, yeah, yeah. fucking crashes, it, danger. It's not going to be where it ends up going. Yeah. Um. So that is a a very brief overview and essentially that uh, those those operating procedures have guided us ever since uh, as far as our tactics for dealing with ufo craft uh avoid at all costs and uh do not engage they're there there's nothing we can do about it which is fucking scary in and of itself but they're there and so they have chose to keep this information you know as secret as they can but the way technology is advanced the way information is disseminated now there's no way to do that and now because of things like this because of things like the internet there can be people that come out and voice this stuff without being suppressed by mainstream media but you then have and some so these are some things if you guys want to uh dive into some of the most insanely documented credible cases that exist of mass ufo sightings i strongly recommend you look into the belgian wave the Washington flyover, uh, Washington flyover happened in the fifties. This was a three day flyover of which UFOs, mass fleets of them flew over our nation's capital unimpeded. We launched fighter crafts like the, whatever air force base was right there was like under construction or the, the, so we had to fly one from like a, an hour away or whatever. We scrambled jets to come and these things just mocked them with their capabilities, like flew all around them. We chased these things all over DC for three days, witnessed by tons of people, newspaper reports about it. Congress discussed it, everything. The Washington flyover, Belgian wave, same thing, triangular craft, multiple sightings over uh, a couple days, multiple police officers, military jet scrambled, thousands of witnesses, uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Obviously everybody knows that the swamp gas incident, which I just talked about the Phoenix lights, which happened, I believe in 1998, which is the largest mass sighting to date, which happened in Phoenix, a triangular craft, roughly two miles long flow over and basically blacked out the city of uh, the sky above the city of Phoenix witnessed by thousands of people recorded by many. Um, Governor did major tried damage control on this and made light of it. Brought some guy in the ET suit uh, uh, to the press conference and been like, "You guys are way too jumpy." Blah blah. Like, try passing it off as it being military flares being dropped. Well, people watch this craft completely silently, two miles long triangular craft fly over, That's black insane. out, black out the sky. One of the most heavily documented things. And this is the same governor, twenty years later, has gone on the record and said, "I saw it too." And I apologize, everybody, because I think it was disrespectful what we did, but I saw it too, and it was real, and it happened. Um. Uh, the, the NASA laser uh, from Earth One is great. Uh, Sicily, uh, Sicily helicopter. I'll just, I mean, for all of you who want to play this back, I'm just going to read some of these. Uh, there's a UFO incident, the US, U.S. Calvary uh, horseshoe incident, which happened uh, in 1908, uh, I believe. Um, Cape Goodary uh, in 1941, uh, Battle of Los Angeles, mass sighting that happened in 1942. This is one of the craziest ones, newspaper things about this. When we were at war, we are afraid the Japanese were going to invade. We had our whole western coast, including Catalina, um, full of bunkers, full of military, like, you know, essentially artillery and ordnance guarding our coastline from Japanese invasion. During that time, right off the coast of uh, Santa Monica, there was a saucer craft that appeared pictures of this front page of the newspaper with all these spotlights on it. We launched 1300 rounds. Yep. That's it right there. 1300 rounds of ordnance at this thing. 
1,300 rounds of ordnance we launched at this thing. Didn't That's face it. Insane. Didn't do anything. Just sat there and then disappeared. Obviously, this was caused tons of buzz. The military came out with their same bullshit Roswell thing. and said it was an air balloon. An air balloon that didn't go down with 13,000 rounds of ordnance or 1,300 rounds of ordnance that hit it. Nothing happened to it. Battle LA is one of the uh, big ones in 1942. Roswell... Uh, Falling to Earth, which is a 1948 uh, Kentucky Air National Guard captain, uh, was chasing one of these things in a F-51 fighter. Uh, he chased it up to 25,000 feet until he lost consciousness and, and fell back down to the Earth. Uh, the Chili's Windig case, 1948. Uh, the Green Fireballs, uh, which is another mass sighting, 1949. The McMinnville UFO photographs are one of the most undisputed photographs from the 1950s that still to this day have not been debunked. Uh, the Korean War, Port of Incheon um, in the 1950s, Korean War, Iron Triangle Incident, Korean War, March 1952, uh, Pentagon admitted after the end of the war that they had two dozen encounters with flying saucers over North Korea during that war. The head general admitted that um, the flying saucer wave of 1952, which is known as also as the Washington flop or the Washington flyover. Nash Fork and Barry incident, uh, abduction case, 1952, Polish George Hadamaski, abduction case, Skinwalker Ranch, abduction, uh, UFO, Kingman, Arizona, UFO crash, 1953. I mean, literally, I could go uh, Barney, Barney and Betty and Hill we'll, also. And we'll put a list in the description so yeah. everybody can just, yeah. you know, do their own research. I, I know it's a lot, <laughs> but I'm only, I'm only saying this because I... I I have to speak in vague generalities with a lot of the stuff because there's so much information that I can't go into all of them at once. Yeah. But I do want to at least cite some things just so the people listening know that, that I'm not just saying, oh, yeah, vague generality. No, these are... No, which people will appreciate because a lot of people yeah. won't do the research. Yes. And you, you... There is an embarrassment. I, I mean, I literally have not even touched upon any of this stuff. Um, that's you. Oh, really? Who's vibrating? I, I don't see anything. Sorry. I, I don't see anything. Weird. Um, we have a rogue phone. Yeah, a rogue phone going off. Um, anyway, so that is a brief, a brief overview on a very brief overview on some of the highlights of our engagement with them and the suppression of this information over uh, the past hundred years within our country. Um, what we're going to talk about then, you know, essentially the origin stories. You know, the 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 theories and the best explanations so far of of our species on this planet so you have when you know, i referenced the book god's man in war um which i believe is one of the best academic looks at every single religion um compiled by this triple phd uh in eastern religion western religion and occultism who co-wrote this book with tom DeLong, and it is this look at every single religion and the parallels between all of them as it pertains to the UFO phenomena. It is once again the one that starts with the cargo cult theory I was telling you of how we, you know, that tribe on the, you know, the island in the South Pacific viewed the planes that came by and ended up worshiping them. That was the pretense of the book. This is the, that was the foundation of the argument is that this is what we do. This is what a primitive society does when they can't explain technology. They worship it as a god. Um, that is what essentially happened. And so the pretense also is that we're not here to convince you UFOs are real, like they're real. And so we're not, we're not debating that fact. We're just now going to analyze history, like the origin of all religions, the origin of everything with that in mind as the explanation for things versus countless gods that every single religion, you know, has and worships, but yet all have this similarity. 
And so it breaks these things down and it goes down, I, you know, I said, obviously to the, the epic. So the Anunnaki, uh, which is an ancient, you know, Zachariah Sitchin, uh, another person for you guys to look up, uh, wrote a number of books that what, have to do what's with the name? Zachariah Sitchin, Sitchin. Um, is an author and uh, one of the foremost kind of uh, authorities on ancient Sumer, uh, who studied Sumer in its original language so that he could really decipher the tablets accurately. And also like in, I think, Israeli, a couple of their languages or whatever that they were, they currently reside in so that he could get the, the best interpretation of these tablets because it is the oldest, the oldest uh, religion. And the one that once again, um, we get in, in the Christian faith, uh, Genesis and Exodus from like the whole origin story of Adam and Eve, the Tower of Babel, the Great Flood, all of this stuff come from that epic. Same with most other religions. They have a very similar origin story. And so the Anunnaki was believed to be the the race of beings that came to this planet uh, and essentially, you know, as he states, created this hybrid race of us, uh, of essentially a monkey and them. And there we are, which is what kind of explains essentially the missing link uh, and how if on this planet evolution is real, which we all know it is, and you have 4.8 billion years of it, of everything evolving from a single cell organism and goo uh, to all the, the vast variants of life that we have on this planet, why are we the only species that seems to have minimum of millions and millions of years of evolution beyond anybody else as far as our ability to be past the basic primal instincts of feed fuck survive um where we contemplate our own existence we're philosophical we you know we <laughs> we we have uh the ability to um I, i'm blanking on the the actual uh, term for it but essentially contemplate you know question why we're here no well, other no other animal well, does that well at the same time what robert most mentioned we are extremely uncomfortable with whoever wherever environment we're in yeah yeah uh, there's an alienation that we have kind of on this planet in a weird way um and so uh it is believed that they created us uh, according to the text he believes that we were created to mine gold essentially gold had a, a very valuable property and it does within uh within space, especially for space travel, um, because it's one of the things that we use on all the windows, I guess, in our spacecraft and the space stations, because it blocks out like all gamma rays and uh, other types of radiation. Gold is a great blocker for this. So it has a tremendous value. Like, why do you think we ever decided gold was a precious metal to begin with? Where do you think that fucking came from? We decided like that. I mean, there are other, oh, like, it's, it's the texture. It's what it's made. It's the purity. It's a, it's, yeah, a, it's but, a great conductor. It's, it's for sure. Easy but, but, to but, bend. but back it's then, but back then, even back then, but like, but you think about all the other precious jewels that exist and things that like, you know, well, because like they were unique and things and, like that, that look very pretty, but yeah. have no value today, but look just as beautiful. Like these other beautiful rocks like emeralds yeah. diamonds uh rubies but for some reason but gold, they're, they're gold standard gold has always been like because it's limited mm -hmm. but the, all yeah. things are limited on this planet like all those i mean diamonds, well, there's like a lot of stuff that like, we make you know yeah, some and of it. we can copy you can't like there still hasn't been a good fake gold chain you know what i mean <laughs> yeah right bro there hasn't it really hasn't, and and it's funny. No, it's it's, it's I, I love gold. No, no, I like gold, and oh, and, and it's funny because people are like, oh, you know, your, your gold looks, you know, so yellow, and it's like, well, in the U.S., people stick with like ten carat, fourteen carat, whatever. But in other countries, in China, for thousands of years, they've been yeah. pressuring and you're not pressuring, but love and respect that fucking yeah. gold or Arab countries, etc. Anyways, please. Yeah, I mean, uh, but why gold? Because it, it's it had it had it has properties uh, for spacefaring. Races. I mean, is what is that says. what it is? Yeah, because it, it has uh, has a lot of. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of magnetic properties to it. A lot of way it binds. You know, it's uh, we're made of stardust, as you know. I mean, right. every every single right 
thing on this planet, our biological being, every little element that we have, every vitamin, every mineral, everything that we need to survive that makes up our body came from a star that went supernova and shot out through the universe and seeded life throughout, We're all the, connected. throughout the planet. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense that like, you know, there are certain things that are needed in our diet and needed for other things. And so gold just has, I'm forgetting on all the properties, but I've read a number of the stuff of, of all the insane things that gold can do. Um, it's uh, one of the best conductors in the world. Yeah, the we conductors. just don't use it yeah. because it's so expensive. Exactly. So a lot of that stuff, that was supposedly why they came here um, to essentially mine for this. And they wanted a, and slave, what? a slave race that could essentially do this because monkeys were too primitive, but they also had the strength and the, they were an indigenous species that was all over the place here. And so they basically, uh, yeah, they, couldn't really talk. They couldn't do anything. They're just like, but they're, you know, they're here. So they, no, no, but they can grab objects. And oh yeah. They have yeah. the posable thumbs. Like exactly. They were the closest to like an upright, the closest thing to them. And so they essentially created us, um, which explains a lot of, uh, you know, all these questions of like the junk DNA that, you know, everyone discards, you know, whatever, 90% of our DNA, whatever it is, is composed of like junk DNA that we still don't know what it does, but it fucking does something. We just don't know what it does. Um, you know, these stop and start points in our DNA chain, the, uh, the limited, like, you know, the, our life expectancy, like we cannot live longer than 120 years, but yet we have all of this documentation throughout all of old religious texts of people like Methuselah and these other ancients that lived to be 875 years old. The average life expectancy back then was above like between five and 800 years, uh, before the great flood. Really? Yeah. Oh Yeah. Oh, people lived insane. forever back then, but now. But did they keep good track time? I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. I mean, but it's that's the thing. Like, so this is like, like where who was really keeping track. Like, I'm turning a hundred today. They were. I'm, I'm sure they were. They, they <laughs> took. Know? They kept track of a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, it's it was enough that they they noted these things all throughout every religious text. Like the lineage of people, how long they lived, the years of their life, everything. Like, if you ever read Exodus or like Leviticus or any of these things, they're the most. Max is like Leviticus or Numbers or one of the numbers, I think. It's like just the most daunting book that just literally talks about the ages and lineage of all of these people from the Bible, like from Adams to Noah's to Moses, all these people, how long they lived, how long their kids lived, like everything, a full detailed documentation of their lives and how long they lived on this earth and what they did. And all of that changed after the flood. So a lot of it changed after the Tower of Babel. So this is also where, you know, this is also in the, the original epic of uh, the Sumerian epic. So the you have you have the um, the Nephilim. So if you've heard of the Nephilim. So the Nephilim is in in uh, Sumer and in the Bible and in a number of other religious texts, it, it is discussed. So there is a point where it says that the sons of God came down and laid with the daughters of men, and they created offspring. So sons of God came down and laid with the daughters of men. So God's fucked women on earth and they created this hybrid offspring. This hybrid offspring was known as the Nephilim. And this is written in, so the Dead Sea Scrolls, which I'm sure you're familiar, heard, um, heard about, is essentially where we uncovered, um, I was actually right there when I was in the Middle East, that's right where they found it, in the, the, cave, really? the cave they found it in. Um, we found all of these uh, lost books of the Old Testament. All of these things, you know, Christianity and all these other faiths have cherry-picked the, the books of the Bible that they keep in. They have cherry-picked what they choose to believe to be like, even though there's all these other texts, all these other accounts of things, they only chose what backed up what they wanted, the version of the story that they wanted to tell. They found all these others, and a lot of them went into great, great detail. I think it's the book of Enoch. Oh, my God. 
the Book of Enoch, which was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls, goes into insane detail about the Nephilim. So this was what caused the Great Flood. So the gods, God saw that the sons of God bred with the daughters of men and created these abominations on earth, created these hybrids. These hybrids were giants. They were giants among men 12 to 25 feet tall. They were these beasts because they not only fucked women, they fucked beasts of the sea. They created essentially like everything that you've heard about from the Minotaurs, like these, these insane beasts of lore all came from this, essentially these angels, these aliens coming down and essentially interbreeding with various species on our planet. And they created the Nephilim. And they essentially ruled the earth for a long period of time. They were wiping out men and became incredibly corrupt and could communicate. They even talk about that, like these beasts, these hybrid ones that were able to have full conversation. They spoke words the same way we did, um, but were like beasts, which give all the more like credence to the lore and the stuff that we read. A lot of people think of like, you know, all these uh, legends and lore of these things, like, you know, Andre the Giant, or, you know, the, whatever, whatever, pick your fucking fantasy story that people right. are like, Medusa, oh, that never happened. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I believe it's all real. Like, why would people Even write? like the Greek gods, all yeah. that oh, stuff? Oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and our, military, our military acknowledges that and references that in Tom's book. They're saying the, the Greek gods have more to do with Egyptian any of this stuff. Social. Yeah, Egyptian gods. Uh, Egyptian, yeah, well, every, there's, there's yeah. more proof and more people talking about the Egyptian gods that, yeah. you know, but the... the Homer's the, Odyssey, the, all this shit, bro. The, the mythical... All people, yeah. The mythical gods the mythical stuff, are, are, are for sure... All real. All real. All real. But they're, but they're once again, not gods. Right. Like, and, and right. So, and, like, and so you also... It I mean, depends who you're talking to and what they believe, how yeah, they present yeah, but, it. But, but, they're, but I mean, they're, we called them gods because they possessed, like, you know, abilities and powers and size and, like, you know, mutations that, like, were not normal for, you know, the average human being. Um, but essentially, God saw this. God's the prior race of us, you know, the saw what had been done, that their people came down and basically really fucked with the workings on this. It had a great thing going with this slave race of, of people on this planet. And basically like, well, we're wiping this out and we're starting over. And so the flood, the great flood came, which is referenced in every religion on the planet at the exact same time. Yeah. They all talk about the exact same thing happening. It happened, which is crazy. And so it happened uh, and wiped out, essentially hit this reset button on society to wipe out essentially these abominations that were created on this planet that were running amok and becoming incredibly corrupt and doing all sorts of terrible things. And so they wanted to hit reset and have a species again that they could have full control over, not ones that thought they were gods. And the same thing happened with the Tower of Babel, which you may or may not be familiar with, but that's also an Old Testament story, also from Sumer, where mankind started to become very uh, enlightened and very evolved and wanted to become like the gods that created them. So they built the Tower of Babel to reach into the heavens, essentially to have ships that they could take off and go fly with the gods and things like that. So this is all re referencing like Sumer, uh, referencing flying ships and things like that. Like, I mean, it, it's so insane when you actually look into it and you're like, it makes so much more sense, this version of things, than anything else ever could. Um, that they also then destroyed the Tower of Babel and confused all the languages on the earth. And that's supposedly how we have the different races of people and the different languages. Because if we were not united as one consciousness, we cannot rise up and become like gods. And so hence, this ongoing battle of consciousness has never ceased. We are constantly divided. We are constantly divided by race, sex, sexual orientation, political views, everything and anything. Nationality. They can, nationality. Anything they can do to divide us because it is known and been proven 
that mass consciousness united for one cause can literally shift the planet on its axis. You can affect the outcomes of things. And there's tons of scientific studies that show this by flipping a coin over and over, which would have a random probability that if you do that, the machine will do it randomly. But if you sit there and you have somebody sit there and focus on saying heads, 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 heads over each time, it will skew the average of that, which should be 50-50. It will always be 50-50 if you average it out. It will skew it in favor of heads. There is power to consciousness. And we talked about this before, that you manifest everything in your life constantly for better or worse. We are authors of our own reality. Energy is real. The universe is malleable and we're creating it at all times. And that is one of the biggest secrets that is suppressed and repressed by these beings. And that was one of the time what mankind realized, oh shit, we can do this. And we have erected this insane monument, this Tower of Babel, celebrating ourselves and we are becoming like the gods. And we have all come together and put all of our strength and all of our mind together and done this. And they were like, nope, <laughs> that's not happening. They stopped it. They stopped it. And so that is the race. When we talk about the suppression of this information, it is believed that, they, Jeez, they, that, they, deep. that they are coming back, that they are the ones yeah. coming back. And they cannot know that we have achieved the things that we have achieved, that we have been reverse engineering the things that we have on this planet. Because if they do, they will wipe it out again. And that is why it is kept a secret. It's not, a kept, not necessarily to keep it from the public because everyone's like, oh, you know, the people can't handle the truth. People can handle the truth. And outside of some insane, you know, ideologues on whatever side, yeah, maybe they might lose their shit. But the most most people are pretty rational. And I think at this point have grasped this concept and it wouldn't necessarily it'd be a hard pill to swallow, maybe, but it wouldn't like you wouldn't see them killing themselves or like, you know, looting in the streets or whatever. Um and so it's not that I don't think that's the 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 real reason for it. And not the reason that is being stated anyway by by the powers that be who are who are coming forward with this stuff. Um but that was essentially, you know, the the kind of the origin and that uh, after that, after the the Nephilim kind of ruled the earth um, and there was there was remnants of them after. Because then if you go further in, in the Bible, like in the Old Testament, you have um, I'm sure you've heard the, the story of David and Goliath. Of course. Goliath was one of those Nephilim. And they talk about it. He was one of the last tribes of them. They didn't wipe them all out. The flood wiped out most things, but there were still um and I think I think it was Jericho. Um, there was another city that they talk about when the Israelites were fleeing Egypt and trying to find the promised land or whatever that uh, God promised them this one city and they Joshua or somebody went and scouted it and they came back and they said it is full of giants like we are grasshoppers to them like nobody would use that that is a very extreme like comparison, comparison. we are fucking grasshoppers compared to them giants twenty five feet tall. Massive, massive, massive beings. And there are skeletons that are found of these. You can Google them. There are femurs that people have dug up of a man's body that are the size of a full-grown man, just the femur of the leg. They are real. They existed, and they were here, and we have and, proof and, of this. And they hide it, no? 100% they hide it. Like the Smithsonian, we, we dug up a lot of them here in America. I think in Ohio, there's a number of mounds that were found where we found these tombs of, um, of giants. The Smithsonian came and claimed them, and then they were never saw the light of day again. But we found giants. Giants were everywhere. Didn't they say there was a um, when we went when we landed on the moon? They saw giants. Uh, when we landed on the moon. We saw other beings, and they told us get the fuck out of here. Yeah, that's why the moon landed. I, I heard there was giants like on the dark side of the moon, like giants. Oh, I mean, maybe. Uh, um, which one is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of them. Yeah, yeah. it was just an image of yeah, um, yeah. Whoa. Yeah, a skull. The skull. Yeah, it's a skull the size of a fucking person's 
obsessive of a person. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Bro, I'm telling you, like this it it's out there. Like Biblical no, giants nobody looks. in Greece. Yes. That's what you can Google. Yeah. Biblical giants of, in Greece. Yep. Fucking insane. It's so all this real. is is the the It's all real. This is the Neph- like but believes the remnants of the Nephilim that made it after and it's referenced in all the religious texts and we found the skeletons. It's not fictitious. Where did they come from? We don't grow that big. Yeah. How are they here? Like, I mean, it, it was. Do, do, you, do you think it was uh, the environment? Oh yeah, and what is that? Like a gunshot? I don't. I doubt it. I, doubt it. I don't know. Like a laser <laughs> beam shot, fucking from back then. Maybe. Who knows? Or maybe the year. Do Do you think it was the environment, the 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 atmosphere, that the air been, quality, that, that, like that, dino- that, that had to do with dinosaurs? But that was, I mean, no, I understand that. Sixty five million years ago. Yeah, no, so, no, I, I know that. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute, dinosaurs and people didn't coexist. Apparently not. <laughs> the Flintstones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? The Flintstones? Wait a minute. Hey. Uh, Hanna Barbera no. would never lie to you me. You crossed the line right yeah. 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 I believed you until Unplug you said his that. mic, <laughs> goddammit. This interview no, is no, over. Yeah, but you, but, you, but you don't think the environment's back? No. No. Uh, I mean, not not that recently. I mean, that, that they're claiming you know, this stuff took place fucking 5,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. There's no atmospheric difference back then. Um, Air not, quality. Not to, that, not to that level. Gravity. Um I mean, nothing. Uh, we would have had far more evidence. Of Do we have there. any proof of our gravity changing? Uh, I mean, that's this the ongoing theory that they believe is why uh, everything grew so big uh, in the dynastic or the Jurassic periods, uh, like the hundred million year period that dinosaurs essentially r- ruled the earth. Um, was that was a result of everything growing big? Everything back then was massive, so much bigger. Uh, more oxygen in the air, and so they more were, oxygen or anything to do with their gravity. Sorry, I know this is. Just I thought I, I thought it had to do with oxygen. Like no, so, so so did I. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I absolutely heard oxygen, but then I'm thinking gravity. Like Colin, I don't think our gravity would have shifted because if that's the case, I mean that. I mean, maybe that. Could well, be, maybe that would we, we are I mean, flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are flying through. Anyways. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I. I don't think that's the case. I think our atmosphere or gravity has pretty much been the same. Throughout that time, right? Um, the, the the size of the Earth hasn't yeah, changed. Yeah, hasn't changed. Our core is the, the same. The orbit hasn't changed. Yeah, um, that's a silly question, Hyman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unplug his mic. Un- unplug his mic. Um, but yeah, please, the giants. But and so yeah, so I mean, and, so so all of this, um, this is all a part of our history. Yeah, this is all a part of history that's suppressed, but this out there, and it's the reality of it. And all of these texts, like people think, like. Oh, we already know, I'm going to make this point very clear. We already know that the Egyptian civilization achieved levels of technology that we cannot replicate today. They were around before the last ice age, the Younger Dryas period, 12,000 years ago. We know the Sphinx predates that now. We know that based on water erosion around it. Uh, our carbon dating methods are completely flawed uh, because soil can change and shift based on cataclysms that can happen, great floods, things like that that disturb soil because you're using soil to date things. Asteroids, blasting. Yeah, you can't you can't date a rock. So these uh, we we know based on uh, we just think that like we can't replicate the pyramids, the pyramids and everything with the technology of what the Egyptians harnessed back then. The things that they did, they were they were a civilization that was in touch with the universe they lived in harmony with our planet and they achieved levels of consciousness that we have failed to do in this reiteration of of humankind after that reset button that happened with the last ice age the younger dries there was a reset button on civilization which has happened i think seven times in the past hundred fifty thousand years there were seven cataclysms that essentially hit reset for all of uh, civilization 
Um, and each time all the technology was lost before that things like the city of Atlantis, which was believed to be, you know, what the foundation of most of Egyptians technology came from Atlantis, which is 100% a real thing. And, People think that, like, back then, like, oh, they, they just wrote all of this shit for fun. It was just, like, they were just writing, like, stories, and they thought these cool, fictitious stories were worth etching on walls to be left for fucking eternity. Like, are you kidding me? Like, they, the messages left behind, the stories being told, are not lore. They were very important messages that they were trying to convey to future generations after they were gone, which is why those monuments still stand, these megalithic structures around the world. Chichen Itza, uh, I mean, all throughout South America, throughout China, throughout the Middle East, these pyramids are everywhere. We're finding them in Turkey now. The Gobekli Tepe was the most recent one that was dug up. These, uh, I mean, Stonehenge, these things, like, they knew back then to make things that would last. Everything we've made now is temporary, the next yeah. cataclysm is wiping everything out. We don't have fucking pyramids that we've made. No stone structures. This is steel and wood and yeah, it's plastic. Just cement buildings yeah, or wood it's, buildings. It's, it's going to be destroyed. It's going to be nothing. Re reduced to rubble. But they knew, and they had the technology back then to accomplish these feats with laser precision, laser accuracy, perfect understanding of, of magnetism. You've you seen them. You were there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're... They're the most awe-inspiring thing you'll ever see. Like, and it's anyone that wants to diminish this and pretend like these guys were some primitive torch burning like people and that was made by a slave colony by a pharaoh. Are you fucking kidding me? You know the intelligence it took to build that? Like, you think some uneducated mass of like a million slaves who could achieve a level of architecture like that? No fucking way. No way. Like, it's... It's just logic. It is like simple logic. And if people can step back and look at these things in that way, then they start to really understand that our history, we do, as Graham Hancock says, we're a species with amnesia. We don't know our own history. We don't know what we achieved before this. We don't know what these the, the people that came before us really did, but they knew far more than we did, and they achieved it now. The reset button that happened after the Younger Dryas, our evolution since then has been completely flawed. Like we are destructive, this planet, we're destructive to each other. Everything is combustion. Everything is uh, destroying resources, using things versus being in harmony with every, anything from like telepathy to the energy, the magnetic pull of the planet, like harnessing these elements and things that like we don't, we, we, we dismiss as like pseudoscience as not even possible, but they didn't, they didn't. This is what all this is about. I mean, the whole re religion philosophy of the Egyptians is all about death. They, they were fascinated and fixated on death, not in a morbid way, but because death is a transition. Everything in those tombs, everything with the, the, um, uh, the Duba, oh, fuck, what is it? Um, well, the Book of the Dead, the Duat, and uh, everything had to do with the soul's transition to the next, like to the next life. Reincarnation. Reincarnation, the next level, like everything. This is just a transitional period. Like this is, this is important, but it's all about that. It's all about consciousness. The Fibonacci series, if you've, dove into that at all. I don't know how familiar you are with the, the Fibonacci sequence. I'm, I'm not. Fibonacci sequence is a, a mathematical, they, they call it the, the formula for life. It is the mathematical equation for life. And it is seen in everything that occurs naturally. And the Egyptians knew this and they built their temples based on Fibonacci series. And the Fibonacci series, basically, if you were to do it mathematically, uh, it's, you have a one, then a one, the next number in the sequence is going to be the sum of the previous two. 
So it's one, so one plus one is two. Then you're going to have, so it's going to be one, one, and two. Then it's going to be two plus one is three. Three plus two is five. Five plus three is eight, and so on and so forth. It's the sum of the number before it. So it's this equation that keeps going in this pattern and expands out in perfect balance. It is seen in pine cones. It is seen in feathers. It is seen in artichokes. It is seen in every single thing that grows or naturally. Same with horns on a ram. The way the horns spiral out, it is 100% mathematically identical to the Fibonacci sequence. And when this thing extrapolates itself out, it is in perfect balance. So the ram's head is never weighed down by the weight because it's carrying these massive horns because it's growing out in this mathematical harmony of this Fibonacci sequence. Egyptians knew this and it was seen in everything they built. And especially the temple of life, the temple of life that they had there uh, was made based on this because that equation is the equation of life. And they understood this, like they understood so much man like what about that 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 building in in joshua tree that we've both been at uh the, the integratron integratron mm. what yeah, do you that's think that's the is dome the, building right yeah mm-hmm. what do you think what, is what the cost for that yeah why why do they decide to drop these blueprints the um, aliens that the guys yeah so the well ju- just to clarify what Jaime is saying what, what what's he talking about so the the integratron is this building out um not palms. I'm trying to think of this. It's, it's, it's right outside of Joshua Tree. It's the city next to it. It's still technically kind of Joshua Tree, but it's right there. And it's right next to this structure called the Giant Rock. Um, it's on top of a massive ley line that goes through. Joshua Tree is as well. Um, it's a vortex basically on this planet, a massive, uh, a massive conduction of energy that naturally flows through our planet, which is exactly what the pyramids are all built on. They're all in these same ley lines naturally occurring throughout the planet. And these civilizations knew this, which how the fuck would they know that? How would they know any of that? <laughs> we don't even, I mean, we, we barely know it now. Like, yeah. We're just now discovering this stuff, but they knew it. So uh, there's this guy who kind of started almost as alien cult in the uh, the 60s, blanking on his name, but he um, said he was in touch, I believe, with uh, the Pleiadians or the Nordics, one of these alien races. Um, and uh, they told him how to build this thing called the Integratron, which was acoustically the most... Um, uh, it has the best acoustics naturally occurring vibrations out of any structure like on the planet and people go there for sound bath musicians go there it is the most pure form of sound and vibration created and they supposedly gave him the blueprints and he built this right out in the middle of the desert and it's there and because the, they believed it i think they told him how to do with you know vibration healing which is what the egyptians believed egyptians had vibration temples that they had that were strictly for healing based on vibration alone like changing vibrations to heal you um which we have some science backing now, but you know, once again, it's still uh, mainstream doesn't want to accept it, especially big pharma, right. <laughs> some natural way of, of healing you. Um, but what? Uh, pharma doesn't want that. Yeah, no, they don't. Say strange. That. Yeah, they don't want psychedelics either. Um, George, Van, George Van Tassel? That's the next one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so this thing's out there and, uh, and you can pay, uh, it's like a massive wait list to get into it, but they'll do like sound baths. And yeah, I, 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 we went on by there with the ride. Uh, Jaime took me and, um, it, it was just a big fucking line. Almost yeah. impossible to get in. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been there multiple times and still never actually gone into it. I've gone to Giant Rock. Um, oh, you haven't been inside? No, no, no. Um, so you got to make like a reservation. Yeah, right? in advance. G- um, Giant Rock. Yeah. That was one of the... So we I went... Uh, we went separately and we both had the same feeling. Some you lo- get there. Some locals there that are... Well, yeah. yeah there yeah. were some locals trying to not let you be there for whatever reason. They like, kind of like... Lo- they, yeah, they show up Locals, with they show up with company. um with a couple of trucks, dirt bikes, and they kind of make you scare you in. Yeah, they scare back you back the fuck out. Yeah. Really, like yeah, yeah. aggressive, like um, like um, 
deliverance type shit. Yeah. yeah. But at the moment, when you get there and they haven't showed up yet, because uh, it's weird, because they showed up like 10 minutes, 15 minutes after after we got there. Yeah. Um, you have this feeling that you are in the wrong place. You know, that you are like, oh, I probably... Like in a bad neighborhood, but in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. In the middle of nowhere, there's nothing else other than the... Us- I don't yeah, know, right. the time I went, like, just like a full moon. Mm. Um, it, what is it, like negative energy or it's I, just like... I don't know, but I... I it's, Native it, Americans worshipped that area for a long time. They were set up there. Like, they, they knew it had, like, special powers. And you feel really, really feel uncomfortable. Weird there. Yeah, it's a weird energy. It's very weird. Like Joshua Tree. Joshua Tree has an insane energy. It's not as... It's not like that. It's not. It uh, doesn't give you a weird, no, dark yeah. feeling. In, in Joshua, Joshua Tree, Tree, I feel relaxed. Yeah, yeah. You know, but Joshua but Tree, did you yeah. go to this rock, you yeah. just feel really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. You're like, I, there's nothing feeling. going on here. Yeah. But I really want to leave. I don't yeah. know why. It's very weird. I camped out there. Oh, you camped out there? Yeah. Not, not, not. No, separately. Yeah. It was a very, very bad night. Very strange night. We left, and it was also part of the company that we were with, but. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's very weird. I feel like I truly believe Joshua Tree is a portal, one hundred percent. And that's not just because I go out there and do psychedelics, uh, but because like it's, which that's yeah. And it's not yeah. it's not an accident that there's also a military base and all that. Oh stuff yeah, there. oh all that stuff right out there. Yeah, and the, the fact yeah, that those, those trees only grow there and like nowhere else in the world. It's also very strange. And just for the people that don't know, Joshua Trees, you can Google it, but it's by yeah. Palm Springs, Twenty Nine Palms, blah blah yeah. blah. Yeah, a great place, one hundred percent, one of the best national parks. Mm-hmm. National Park, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the, uh, the origin of, of our species and the reality of these things, uh, you know, I try to say this, um, and there's, there's so much to unpack in that, but, uh, I'll kind of go with this, with the, the reality of the civilizations that preceded us, they had technology, they had mass things that we cannot replicate to this day. And yet we still are trying to, people are academics are trying to tell us that they were, you know, uh, hunter gatherers back then and like you know yet they achieved marvels even though we now know that the egyptians essentially took over those pyramids it was uh, they were there before that like the oh. the, the race that was because they're pre, so, pretty sorry, so i'm gonna cut you off one second because yeah. i just saw something that was such a, a robert bit, thing a to little, do a little bit curious colin's gonna be proud of you um <laughs> good one <laughs> um joshua trees only grow in joshua tree in jerusalem Oh, Jerusalem too. I thought there was only, only a small spot in Jerusalem and Joshua Tree. That's it. In the whole world. Maybe they took them from Joshua Tree and put them in Jerusalem. Because Joshua it, Tree, they seem natural. Like a, a, or the opposite. Place. Maybe. Or yeah. the opposite of the opposite. I, I, I Which could, is uh, double. <laughs> now let's find the location of each place and see if they're centered and lined up with each other. That'd be crazy. Yeah. If it naturally was occurring. Oh, that'd be like a great that. discovery right yeah, here yeah. on the Right Boundless Podcast. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> somebody, somebody look into that. I'm busy. Uh, <laughs> I have so much stuff I'm researching. Um, but we, we were told by academics that, the, that these guys could never have achieved anything, and yet they did. And yet they have things that we can't, we can't even fathom or replicate today. And with they, the equipment that we have today. With the equipment that we have today. Um, and that we think that the, the stuff that they wrote about is just fantasy and lore, but it's not. It was written about because it was real and it really happened. And when you start looking at history through that lens, that these were real events, uh, suddenly a completely different picture of the origin of our our species, the origin of, of essentially this recent re-evolution of us suddenly starts to make more sense. And I try to tell people that it's like, okay, what what... 
what makes more sense? And I don't, and I say this once again, like I'm not trying to offend anybody um, of any type of religious background. Uh, but if you look at it from the sense of like a, a God um, that just suddenly just randomly decided 7,000 years ago to create life on this planet, create humans and, and throw us here for whatever reason. Uh, and then, and then rule, you know, in secret and then kind of disappears, you know, the new Testament went on or whatever, pick whatever your religion. I mean, I'm most versed in that because of how I grew up so I can speak to it a lot better. Um, but you have just this, this God in the sky that, you know, some people claim wear Birkenstocks or robes or whatever, like that decided to create mankind on this planet a few thousand years ago. Or knowing what we know about science and evolution uh, and how things evolved and how things have evolved on this planet and what we are currently doing now with technology. And I always bring up, uh, you know, my brother who's, I think founded four biotech companies at this point uh, and has been playing God in many ways with genetics. And we've already done it. We've cloned things, you know, 20 years ago. We, we, we are doing things in, in uh, biotech and, and genetics uh, and cell therapy and things that like we are playing God. We are doing this already. We are creating hybrids, and China's been doing it off the books for a while. Uh, we just had here to different regulations here. Otherwise, we'd be farther along in, in these creations and uh, and creating superhumans and doing all this stuff and eliminating disease and all these other stuff. Like, But we're just regulated, so we can't. But we've had the technology for a long time now to do it. We're already doing that now, and we are a primitive fucking race in the scheme of things still. So what... What will we be doing in 100 years if you keep this technology going? The, van the way we're advancing right now. Picture us in 100 years. Picture what we'll be doing then. And that's just 100 years of a civilization yeah. that is supposedly only, you know, that's only been here for a few thousand years, evolving. For that, we were just cavemen, according to, like, you know, what they want to tell you. Uh, and now we're doing this on a planet that's 4.8 billion years old. What makes more sense then? <laughs> that knowing there's this missing link between us and monkeys on this planet, that we are the one race in this planet that seems to be far more evolved than any other species on here, yet we all evolved here at the same time, okay? What makes more sense then? A god in the sky just poof, put humans here, or that an intelligent race of beings came here that has millions of years more evolution, billions of years more evolution, or even if you want to just be conservative, picture us in 100 years, it could just be us going back in time and doing it. Whatever it is, we're already doing it. So we know we can do this. So why would it be a stretch to think that another species who's already been spacefaring because there are civilizations that have been evolving for up to 9 billion years longer than us came here and literally just toyed with the DNA of a monkey and created a hybrid, and here we are, and here's this... Like, doesn't that seem a little more feasible and rational given what we know now and what we know about there being life outside this planet and all the proof of them being here, the embarrassment of proof that exists, all these encounters that are just, I mean, there's so much, there's so much of it. Nate, if you put it like that, then yes. <laughs> it's all about framing. It's all about framing. We've talked about it before scientifically. Where is the human evolution of any other animal? That's what I'm saying. And why only monkeys? Yeah. In theory. Yeah. I mean, because, but, for example, dolphins. Okay, you, yeah. you can you can give me the argument that the monkeys were, you know, more intelligent and then we came out of those and then somehow we're intelligent, more intelligent than any other um, animal species, right? But in theory, dolphins are intelligent. Where is the human, you know, coming out of the dolphin? That, yeah. Well, and they've also, uh, you know, this gets into a different realm. Uh, we're also so 
not advanced in our understanding of anything that who's to say these animals are not hyper intelligent. We just don't understand them. I mean, they're doing things. They communicate with sonar. They communicate like they have a language all their own and they communicate through vibration. I mean, that's why when you have a dog, I think dogs are some of the most evolved species on the planet now because of their co evolution with, with men, mankind, um, that, uh, you can have a dog if you have one, and you realize after years of relationship with that animal that you communicate with that animal through looks, through feelings, you understand what it's thinking, it understands what you're thinking, it comforts you when you're sad, it defends you if there's a bad energy around from somebody that's encountering. They, they are very evolved with us. They communicate. We communicate with them on a, a conscious level that we're not fully even aware of, but we do. And it's all in the eyes. And so we've already been doing that with dogs and cats don't really give a shit. Uh, well, of, they, they, I mean, they're, they're, they're know. less like, you know, they're yeah, less no, but, codependent, but like, what's to say that the animals out there, like dolphins and other animals are not communicating in the same way with each other, just because we can't understand it. Like, doesn't mean that they're not doing the same thing. Like they could be very evolved and we just aren't aware of it because we've developed our, you know, communication skills through language. Yeah. It, it, it's funny because I, I I'd had a conversation about, you know, how, how in tuned we were with our planet. Mm before technology like we mm. knew supposedly we knew when it was going to rain we knew it was sunset we knew when there was oh, going to yeah. be a storm hurricane oh yeah but what's interesting is my my grandma did that in, in cuba and, and you know she lived out you know out away from the city and in cuba she was able to predict a lot of things a chaman a chaman, a chaman. and they would ask her you know um how 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 did you do this? You know, how did you get away with this? You know, is it, do you feel it? Do you do this? Do you do that? And her response was real simple. No, I studied the animals. Mm. The animals know. Oh, the animals know. You know and that, the animal, you know, when the birds fly. Yeah. And, Watch you, them take you, off when a tsunami comes. Exactly. Yeah, no, and they <laughs> would prefer an earthquake. You hear yeah. about the dogs, the, you know, dogs barking, the cats acting exactly. out, they the zoo the animals. They happens. sense it before it fucking happens. Yeah. And it's not, and, and again, it's back to another point why I keep saying, are we from here? Were we just placed here? Because mm. all the animals relate to something. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're counting on them. Yeah. And let me you know that it brings up a good point that I feel I should clarify too. Uh, please, please, please. <laughs> just, just know that like there are many explanations for our origin here. Panspermia is a big one. Uh, and I, I also kind of uh, buy into that as well, that uh, the life was seeded from, uh, you know, a, a planet destroyed somewhere else that housed life similar to us, that we, you know, another planet that had humans on it. It's like the Superman story. Yeah, a very similar thing. And panspermia happened. And that's how, you know, the universe gets soiled, essentially, with different life throughout it. Um, and so that is a very uh, accepted and, you know, I mean, not fully accepted, but still more accepted than, I guess, what I'm talking about uh, as far as explanation for how human life came to this planet. Um, so there are many explanations for this. And uh, when I'm presenting this particular one, um, it's not to say that it's necessarily the right one. Uh, there is a lot of explanations for it. But I, I believe that there is a lot of evidence uh, backing it. And there is a lot of <laughs> a lot of data, a lot of uh, declassified things, and a lot of people who work in this realm who have said similar things. But it's not mainstream. And so it's just end up kind of being the the explanation that I am somewhat in line with most right now for things, but ultimately what the fuck do I know? What a do lot, I, well, a whole a, fucking but, lot. But I, but even then I don't, I no, no, I, 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 that's I, the, I, that's I, the worst part right. of this rabbit hole is right. the deeper you go, the more you don't know. 
And the more you learn, the more you learn you don't know. And it becomes an all-consuming thing, which is why they call it the rabbit hole. So um, so you don't know what, what you, you don't, don't know. know. <laughs> yes. That's exactly. But you don't know. But that... Yeah. That that statement so deep. That's it's just, so deep. Bro. It's just and, and you threw that out last time, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I've done it's it a couple profound. times. Jaime yeah, loves it. A few. Yeah, I, every episode. And so, oh shit, we we didn't even get into. I mean, abductions. No, we're gonna have to do a, yeah. a two no, 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 Go for it. Go for it. Do it. Hotspots, abductions. I mean, yeah. Talk about this. The communion. Yeah. Communion is really important because Nate recommended me to read this book. Three pages into it, I shit in my pants. Close it. Never, never, never open it again. So I want to talk about abduction really quick because we haven't really dove into that topic and I think it's a very important and massive... Um, it's got to be one of the most important topics. No, you could just do that God while damn. he's talking. You don't have to... No, I kind of like, like the pause. It really adds to the effect. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I could also delete it later. So. No, you keep that shit in. The sound? Um, so uh, the abduction topic, and I want to preface it with this, which is one of the most fascinating things, and I can't remember what uh, researcher said this, about the difference between the abduction phenomena and things like legend and lore um, are that legend changes over time. Someone like you pass a story down from generation to generation, it gets distorted. It's like playing the telephone game. You know, like some the message keeps getting distorted. Like it changes. And like whatever that original legend or story was is now kind of something completely different. Yeah. But with the abduction phenomena... It is the exact same today as it was 100 years ago. Um, and it's been going on for longer than that and uh, been written about in a number of uh, you know ancient literatures from the Dark Ages to religions and things like that. Um, a lot of these experiences that they were talking about, um, religious experiences almost, uh, are believed to be that. But uh, that phenomenon has never changed. There are through lines with every encounter with the abduction phenomenon that anyone who experiences it says the same thing. Um, and I yeah, recommended that book, uh, Communion by Whitley Stryber, um, which I strongly recommend everyone reads. Um, if you want to be scared alone at night, uh, it will definitely... Go to Joshua Train. Read it out <laughs> there. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Don't do that. Or do that. Depends what you do. Um, if you read that book, uh, written by I said, Whitley Stryber, who I believe is a Harvard... I know he's for sure Harvard educated, but I can't remember if he was actually a Harvard professor of psychology as well. I think he was, or he, at the very least he paired with people uh, from the Harvard psychiatric de uh, department to, uh, to do studies with him. Um, and he was a skeptic, uh, never believed in any of this stuff, but realized that he had been abducted his whole life and had these insanely traumatic experiences. And he wrote this book about them and about coming to terms as a skeptic, as an academic, as a psychologist, with the subject matter that is completely faux pas and written off as like a mental illness. Um, Once more, that brings a lot of, you know, breaking the credibility of his own studies. 100%. Right? Yeah, he risks everything to do that. Anybody who comes out in any type of uh, academic circle, scientific circle, political, military, whatever it is, and says anything about this, risks exile, and is usually what happens as a result of it. That's why pilots, whenever they see UFOs, they never they never say anything about it because they'll get their wings clipped and they won't fly again, uh, which is the most fucked up thing because there are like you know reports of these British airlines where there were like fifty people in the in the airplane that all witnessed a UFO over the UK, a massive one the size of like three football fields, and the two pilots also saw it and corroborated the story and they got fired. And so this stuff happens all the time, and so for him to come forward and make a book about this 
which was unprecedented at the time, uh, took a lot of courage, but also showed the the sincerity and the reality of this phenomenon because the people who experience abduction, uh, the level of trauma and post-traumatic stress that comes from it is incredibly severe. Uh, worse in many cases than molestation and you know soldiers coming back from war because this defies understanding because you're violated in ways that you, you can't really describe um, by beings that you also can't describe in a ship that you also like that shouldn't be there. Like everything about it is so unbelievably traumatizing that the brain as it does with all trauma usually tries to suppress it. And most people do, they suppress this stuff because it's so traumatic and so difficult to deal with. Uh, and it leads to, you know, down the road, alcoholism, suicide, things like that. And so he wrote this book and started kind of like a group uh, about it. And if you read this book, you will have a, uh, it is one of the most academically honest books that looks into this phenomena uh, with the most educated and trained people in the psychiatric field, showing that this is not a disorder. The, these events actually happen. These people aren't making them up because the level of trauma that they've gone through uh, is not possible with like a nightmare or like yeah. some, or some, something like that. Like it is... It is beyond real. And his accounts of his UFO abductions and watching his kids get abducted and him being powerless in his bed as these beings come in and take him unconsciously and hover him out, like float him out like so through the door insane. and seeing his kids going the same thing. Like it's very troubling. And if you've ever been abducted and are have repressed it or unaware of it, or you've ever had things like missing time, which is a, a big indicator of abduction where you can't account for a period of time. Like, I don't know what the fuck happened the last 12 hours. I suddenly, I'm like, I'm just on my couch and I don't know what happened the last, like, I can't account for it. Suddenly the next day, missing time and things like that are always indicative of, of abduction phenomena. And so if you read this book and you've had anything uh, like that, you will 100%, uh, it will, it will pull it out of you. Um, and it did for me and it did for something traumatic that I dealt with for 10 years that I had no explanation of, but I don't think we really have time to go into that because that is a whole thing and not something I really talk about. Um, but some, some heavy stuff that I dealt with for a long period of time that there's no explanation of. Um, and maybe it could be the result of my fascination with all of this stuff on a subconscious level. I don't know. But uh, the book is incredibly good. But the abduction phenomenon doesn't vary. And all these people accounts who have been abducted, the stories are very, very similar. Um, they will vary, obviously, because sometimes it is different species that are doing it. Uh, and they're doing it for different reasons. And so... A lot of the, the backstory with this has to do with, I think, like I mentioned earlier, Project Sign, uh, or not, not Project Sign, um, uh, the Sigma Treaty, sorry, the Sigma Treaty, which I believe Eisenhower signed with the Greys, as the story goes, um, where in exchange for technology, people, they could abduct our people and perform experiments, and we would give them asylum on our planet, and yada, yada, yada. Um, and so uh, people always describe them as the same way. Greys uh, is the, the particular species we're talking about. Uh, three, and a half, three to three and a half feet tall are the small ones, which are believed to be biological entities, uh, essentially a biological robot, if you will, if we were to create a robot that was biological, not like a machine. Um, and they're controlled by essentially the tall greys, who are about seven feet tall. And there's usually one on them per ship, and then the rest of them are these little three feet tall grays that basically are performing a lot of the medical procedures and most of the procedures that are performed on the um the abductees are uh, usually of like a sexual or reproductive nature they're seem very fascinated with studying the reproductive systems of uh, of our species which has led to you know the the belief of a hybridization program um uh, throughout my research it has been said that they you know their species is dying off 
they have interbred for so long. They've evolved, you know, they've been around for, you know, millions of years longer than we have. And uh, if you think about the interbreeding of our species, a great episode of South Park, Goobacks from the Future. I don't know if you remember it. It's fucking amazing. No, no, no. Oh, my God. Amazing episode. I love South Park so much. But it's basically like the, the interbreeding. Uh, like It's basically us in the future where every race has interbred so much that we've all just turned into one, like, grayish color. Especially yeah. like, especially adding technology to it. And it's, it's yeah. a conversation I have with, with a friend that is from Virginia a, a lot, which is if you look at right now uh, births, uh, they all need to be assisted mm-hmm. because w- women, and I'm not obviously I'm not blaming them for this, but w- like we are, technology keeps growing. We're having births in the in the hospital. C-section amount is growing up crazy. Now there's getting a moment of evolution that we're going to need to do a c-section to bring the baby out at some point reproduction is going to be a challenge yeah it's it's essentially that idea that i mean uh, that was what south park was making fun of uh, was you know us and you know millions of years in the future we'd all be one one color bald like you know a mix of all the races you know this all this unisex type thing and so which makes sense they, they were also saying that in the next hundred years there's gonna be no colored eyes yeah you know? So those, those type of things, which we can genetically kind of extrapolate uh, probability of what things might look like. And so the, the, the story goes with these beings is that they have genetically interbred so much. And if you also think uh, the level of power, so you think about the secret societies, or nine secret societies, the families, the, the 75 families, whatever they control over half the world's wealth. They're not mingling with common folk. They're not breeding with common folk. They're breeding within their circles of power and money. It's strategic. It's things like that. And so They're keeping it in the family. Yep. And so you're interbreeding then the people who also also hold all the power and all the wealth, their genetic pool is very limited because they're not spreading them out. But so this race supposedly is, uh, they've, their, their genes are essentially failing, like, and they're dying because they have interbred so much that there are deformities there are mutations. There are things that are essentially killing them off. And so they are here essentially trying to create a hybridization program with us in order to keep their race alive and ultimately keep it alive on this planet because they are not able to necessarily live here without, uh, you know, breathing similar oxygen levels that we are like our bodies are adapted to this environment. Theirs are not. And so that is what they're doing is creating this hybridization program. And they're already among us. Um, and there's a lot of within the UFO, you know, stories of abduction where women are taken, uh, essentially immaculate conception. They're pregnant without, having sex with anybody they're suddenly pregnant they're abducted they don't remember you know much of what happens and then suddenly they're with child and then five months into that pregnancy uh the child disappears from their stomach Uh, they're taken again the child is taken out and there's a number of stories about this throughout you know the past 50 years of things like this happening which kind of you know people give credence to it being a part of this, you know, genetic hybrid program. Medical, medical would call it a psychological pregnancy or stuff like that, which <clears> happens <throat> a lot, even with animals, for example. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of cases of psychological pregnancy, and they say their stomach grows, and there's they, they feel like there's somebody inside, you know, there's, mm. a, there's a baby inside, and suddenly they're not pregnant anymore. Well, there's been cases yeah. also that women think they're pregnant to a certain point that they start lactating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the biology of what our bodies can do, you know, same with a bunch of women living well, together, the, all get on the same the mind, menstrual cycle. The mind can do. Yeah, the mind can do exactly what the mind can do. Um, but so this this the abduction phenomena is a very key part of of the UFO phenomena, and is something that definitely cannot be left out because of how prevalent it has been. Um, and uh, you know, this is what the Stephen Greer when he has a close encounter of the fifth kind. They call it the C scale: close encounters of the first kind, third, second, third, fourth, and fifth kind. 
Um, and so the scale essentially goes close encounters. The first time is you witness a craft, you see a UFO flying. That is a close encounter of the first kind. A close encounter of the second kind is you witness the craft and then you see a physical uh, remnants left behind, whether an imprint in the grass, radiation on a tree, broken tree branches. There's physical uh, evidence left behind that what you saw was in fact there. Close encounters of the third kind is you see a craft, you see physical evidence, and you see a being coming outside of that craft. You see them outside of the vehicle itself and then going in. Close encounters of the fourth kind is essentially abduction. You are abduction. You are abducted against your will by a, a different species, and they have taken you aboard their ship and are you know or tempered with in ge generally, right? Yeah, I mean it's, it's essentially it's it's uh, it's interaction against your will, uh, usually in the form of abduction. Um, and then close encounters of the fifth kind is what Stephen Greer coined, which is essentially human initiated contact with extraterrestrials, where you are going out to actively make contact with them, where the other four are passive. They're happening to you. You didn't initiate them. It was against your will. Close encounters of the fifth kind is human initiated contact with extraterrestrial beings. And that is what, you know, me and my buddy Vera did. Uh, which we've done yeah, at, at, Mount Adam. yeah, at Mount Adams and Area 51. And, uh, oh, man, I need to tell you, we were just at Catalina. Uh, me, and, uh, me and Monica went out there, and uh, we camped to wanted to see, see some of the stuff with their own eyes. And Catalina is I one of, the, I one of the biggest hot spots there is. I mean, there are bases all underneath the ocean there, and this has been validated and backed up by countless fucking people, uh, not just witnesses who've seen craft shoot out of the ocean and leave it, but the Tic Tac incident that took place, the declassified one from the DOD, took place 70 miles south of Catalina near Baja. And that was where the ship was uh, that came out of the water, where they chased it. And there was another radar sighting that they had a part of that same incident where 100 craft came down from the stratosphere and were just hovering going like 30 knots at 80,000 feet above Catalina. 100 of them all plop, 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 plop. And then they all dropped straight down to the ocean floor in half a second. Not possible from 80,000 feet. And all backed by radar, all followed. This is like all part of the unidentified thing. And so Catalina is a massive fucking hotspot. So we went out there to camp, went on the backside. When was this? Uh, last week. And uh, went out there to, to do this. <laughs> uh, sadly, we drank too much that night and, uh, and kind of passed out. But the night, I have, to, I have to say, a bunch of very, very strange things happened. One of which was we were hiking uh, before the day we got there. So we set up camp and then went on some crazy hikes like up in the cliffs. And we were up atop of one and all of a sudden we heard this, this sound that I can only kind of describe as if you ever watch like Star Wars when a ship comes out of light speed and suddenly it appears like when it like suddenly stops like it's going from light speed and they all disappear yeah. thump, 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 like that. But with like an energetic pulse to it. And so the clouds seem to only cover the whole west side of the mm -hmm. island. The, the east side facing inland is completely clear. But that other side, which is where a lot of the bases are said to be underwater, and I'm going to tell you something about that in a second, uh, is completely under cloud cover most of the time, which is very strange. So we're at the top of this thing, and we hear this sound, this loud, pulsating sound I have never heard in my entire life, an energetic vroom, vroom, going. And Bolt Harris is like, do you hear that? And I'm like, yeah. And we just sat, and it was the most eerie, insane fucking thing ever. And we're like, that's really weird. Go down to our campsite. We're staying at a place called Shark Harbor. There's only three campsites there. We got there. There's one group of people, a couple that was to the one to the right of us. We we're in the middle. And then later that night, another couple came. They had a bunch of shit. And so a bunch of these things just got really weird. There was a lawn chair with an umbrella and a kneeboard and a towel that was on the beach. We thought it was just a bunch of people at that beach who were staying at the, the campsites uh, on the other side of the hill. They all left. And that chair just sat there. Nobody fucking claimed it. So we thought, oh, maybe it's the people who are to the campsite to the next of us. Maybe they're just not using it, but it was just one chair. It was kind of weird. We 
I get up, I set the alarm for 2 a.m. We went to bed at midnight. We like, we're just too tired. We're like, all right, I'm gonna set the alarm for 2 a.m. We're gonna get up because 3 a.m. is when all this stuff happens. But we each pounded like five shots of vodka and you know, we don't really drink. So it was enough to do us in. But like I set the alarm, I got up. I don't really remember anything other than I stumbled outside of the tent. I looked up and it was still cloudy and I'm like, oh, fuck, it's gonna be really hard. And I was like, I don't know. It all seemed like a blur, like as if I was like on the date rape drug, like somebody slipped me something. I crawl back in the tent. I don't really remember anything. And I just remember kind of coming out of consciousness. I see her laying halfway outside of the tent puking and which she's Polish. They don't, they drink, they don't, they, she's never puked in her life. And she's no. like, it was just, it was very, is all just like those flashes of memory, but like, it all seemed really weird. We get up at 7am and the people who were to the right of us had all of their shit the night before all over the camping table, like the picnic table, like everything, everything was out scattered everywhere. 7am. Nobody was there. Both those people were completely gone. Their campsites completely packed up. We didn't hear a fucking thing. And I didn't really sleep well that night either. It was like kind of hot and didn't feel well. Um, didn't hear anything. Completely gone. That same lawn chair with the kneeboard, with the umbrella still up all night. I mean, at least put the umbrella down if it was somebody so it didn't blow away or at the beach. Like that was just still sitting there eerily. And everybody was gone. And no sign of them. I mean, no time they would have had to have left. Like, where would they have gone? There's only one shuttle because everything Corona was shut down. There's only one shuttle to get from Avalon over there, and it left at 1.30. That was the only way to get to that side of the island. It's 20 miles away. And they're all gone, and we're like, this is weird. And then we were waiting for the, the shuttle to come get us. And then the same thing. We heard the same, lasted like 60 seconds. Like, just guttural vibration like an energy you heard in, did, did you you felt it too? felt it and heard it yeah very very sure there is like when you talk about the weirdness of like jumbo rock you talk about the weirdness of like the energies of these places there is an energy at catalina man especially on that west side like the camping area not near avalon there is an energy there and we went on after that and i was like well i'm bummed out we'll go back and you know we won't we won't drink next time and hopefully there won't be clouds but i want to pull up google earth and i was like I'll tell you what, half of Antarctica is, is is blocked out on Google Earth, which you may ask, why? It's a giant fucking block of ice. What would they possibly be blocking out in Antarctica where there is nothing but is blocked out, obviously, because there's tons of bases there underneath the ice, civilizations. I believe that's where Atlantis really is. Um, but I was like, it's blocked out. I was like, I guarantee you, we're going to zoom in on Google Earth. If you pull up the train map on Google Earth, I have screenshot all of them. I can send them to you guys, but you can also just do it yourself. Zoom in, because on that they have full sonar imaging of the ocean. You can see the topography underneath the ocean. It's all there, clear as day on Google Earth. And really? This, oh, yeah, the satellite. Of oh, the can, deepest oceans? Yeah, well, around that area anyway. Like, you can see everything. And you zoom in, and there is about 10 spots that are blocked out, black boxes, underneath the ocean, blocked out. I thought we never reached the bottom of our oceans. We haven't. Yeah. But, like, there, but, but Catalina, I mean, we're on the plate here. Right, right, the, right, right, San Andreas right. Fault. Like, it's, uh, I mean, Catalina is it's not a volcanic thing. It's a structure of two plates converging and pushing up out of the ocean. And, and so it's a, uh, it's not a, I mean, it's a shelf that's there, but uh, you can zoom in and see all the topography around it. And you zoom in and you'll see these black boxes and like 10 different areas. And I recorded, I screenshotted all of them along with the, uh, the Latin long of exactly where they are, the degrees and everything. And uh, that area is a restricted airspace. You can't go there. It's um, people aren't floating around there. Like it's completely like blocked off and it, like I said, people see lasers shooting out from the ocean there, seeing green beams come out. There's people seeing craft shooting in and out of them, spaceships that come in and out, and just like the, the Tic Tac thing that happened out there. There are countless of these hotspots like around the world. Um, if you're in a war zone, look up. You'll see it. 
because uh, they're always around during that. If you're around a nuclear facility, uh, look up. They're always around those areas. Um, they're always around everywhere. They're around during the day too. What, what, what are the? Um, I, I know this is a never-ending topic, but what are the what are the uh, the five hot spots in the world right now? Well, I mean, <laughs> or fuck it, just because it's there's, you. There's what, so, are well, top, there, what are the top? What are the ten? So, I mean, there's so many. I mean, Mount Adams is is a great one. You'll always see stuff going up there. Mount Shasta is a major vortex. Mount Shasta is a base, just like Mount Adams. Um, major stuff goes on at Shasta. Major stuff goes on at Mount Adams. Uh, the NTS, the Nevada test sites, which is where Groom Lake, Area 51, S4, um, China Lake, all that stuff is out there. Uh, that area, 100%, you'll see stuff. Um, Joshua Tree is, is another is another popular one. I haven't made contact out there uh, myself, but uh, Joshua Tree and that surrounding area is, uh, is another one. Um, coastal, I mean, Catalina, obviously, uh, South Baja, Baja, Mexico. Um, there's an Island, uh, Guadalupe off of, uh, um, little Guadalupe Island, I think is what it's called. It's about, uh, it's a 20 hour boat ride off the coast of Baja, Mexico. And, uh, that area, I mean, the interviews of the fishermen, the people there and the pilots there who've watched craft like massive ships. Like we don't and a lot of these times we're not just talking, we're talking about some of these mass sightings. We're not talking about saucers. We're talking about motherships. Talk about the Phoenix Lights. Things are two miles wide. We're talking things that look like aircraft carriers in the sky. Like tons of these. Bigger. Yeah. Tons of these sightings are like massive, massive ships. It's not like somebody's looking up and being like, oh, yeah, maybe it's just a cloud that I misinterpreted or like it's, you know, the North Star. These are ships that are like, you know, a thousand feet in the air that are the size of aircraft carriers that are like miles long, like. A number of these sightings, they're, they're, they're not something that you would accidentally miss, you know, interpret as being something else. Like, it's clear what they are. And the accounts of the people who have seen these are identical, detailed, spread throughout, like, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a 50-mile radius where the ship cruised through and everybody saw it. And like, and the, uh, the reports go throughout all of these counties of people from police officers to everybody who witnessed this and, like, talk on radios like, oh, see it, here it is. This happens so often. Like so, so often. And once again, it's just all you have to do is look. And that is like, that's my message to anybody out there listening to this. And I mean, because I could talk about this for another five fucking hours and rest assured that still probably won't be enough. Um, and we've really scratched, you know, the surface with a number of these topics because they could be dove into it at such great detail even more. But I strongly encourage you, you've, you've got the list of the shows I, I told I said the shows at the beginning of uh, the documentaries that I think are are more credible uh, that have really good footage and are backed by a lot of uh, expert testimony especially Stephen Greer he was the one that put together the C-SETI uh, program and in, uh, in 2001 uh, had 200 people that he put together witnesses expert witnesses uh, from every branch of the military politics all around the world who had you know worked on crash UFO crash retrieval teams uh, you name it these people and they came and spoke it was live on C-SPAN, the most watched fucking thing ever on C-SPAN, and talked to Congress and said, you know, it was essentially the disclosure movement. And two weeks later, 9-11 happened. And around that same time was also when Donald Rumsfeld admitted that we had $3.7 trillion that we couldn't account for, which obviously all goes into these black budget programs. And then 9-11. Because this bombshell was dropped right and, around the same and, time. And the Pentagon where all the All the, the financial money, stuff. Financial. And, and there's no plane, no wreckage, no there's anything. No plane, yeah. Missile, 100%. Like, I mean... it. But that type of stuff. And so, you know, some documentaries, uh, some books for you to, to check out. 
Um, I think communion is is a great one. Um, the uh, the one that I was just saying, uh, if you're wanting um, you know some hard stuff, the UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record by Leslie Keen. Uh, you have the whole uh, Secret Machines uh, series by by Tom DeLonge and his co-authors. Three that are nonfiction, three that are fiction. Um, they're they're the last of each of them have not come out. There's two books released so far in each series. The God's Man in War is the nonfiction, and then Secret Machines, uh, Chasing Shadows, and I can't remember the second one's called. Um, are incredibly good. Uh, Sands of Time is the Sean David Morton trilogy. Uh, should be four, but sadly he's in jail now. So, uh, and that was one of the authors I tracked down and interviewed and talked at great length because I wanted to see if he was full of shit about all this stuff. Um, those are really hard to get a hold of. I don't think you can get a hold of them anymore. Um, you'll you'll create a list for us, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. gonna. I need to put it in the you know yeah, in the, the description, description of, yeah, of yeah. YouTube or something like that where people can see it and go through it. Yeah, um, and a lot of those the 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 things I've mentioned earlier, the all the the various you know Project Blue Book, Project Grudge, Camden Report, Camden Report, Colorado Report, all those things. Um, some of the you know the most notorious UFO sightings dive into those. I'm telling you, if you look at them, yeah, if you there's, search, there's, you'll no, find there's, there's no, there's no reason. Yeah, there's no way your logical brain is going to look at them and be yeah. like, nah, like it's indisputable evidence. Yeah, like, it's I, I, indisputable. I, I, I think the basis is just people just kind of hear it, they ignore yeah. it. Nah, it's not a big deal, but they, they don't go further than that. But what you're Doesn't suggesting change their regular life. No, right, which is fine, and that's a lot of people I encounter. That's some of my best friends. They tell me they're just like, I just don't care. Like, you know, I yeah. just, I just want to live my life and which is 100% fine. Like I know I'm more of an anomaly about this. This is a fascination of mine because I personally think it's one of the most important things there is because it impacts every aspect of our life. Uh, the origin of us, the, what we believe to be true and where we're going in our place in the universe. And to me, I think those, are, and where we go when we die, I think those are the most important questions we can ask that dictate how you live your life and the, the quality of life that you have and the happiness that you have uh, within that life. But other people like it, it's ignorance can be bliss, like to a degree it can be, and so I, I understand that, and I understand people who uh, who hold religious views, and I completely support that because it's ultimately we're all looking for purpose. Yeah, we're all looking for purpose. We're all yeah. looking for answers, and everyone's going to find them in in different in different places. Um, Actually, when you said this earlier, the only thing I wanted to add to that was I I don't have a problem with with people's beliefs. Mm-hmm. That I'm totally fine with that. Neither, but I do have a problem with people that don't believe in anything. Yeah, those are the people that I'm. Which is a religion about. in and of itself. Like yeah. atheism and the belief in nothing is a religion, right? That is what you're putting your faith in. Yeah. Like that's what people. The irony is thick. Like that is a belief structure. That yeah. is a, a yeah, way of true. Running, running your life, and it's hilarious that people are like oh, I'm an atheist, and I like you know, like well, then you believe. You believe you that there's nothing. Still believe in something. Yeah. yeah, you believe that there's nothing. Like that is your paradigm of, of existence, and that is a belief in and of itself. I just challenge people like with this because I believe to me personally, it is the most interesting thing there is. It's changed my life in more ways than I can possibly comprehend in which in later, you know, podcasts when we dive into psychedelics and when we, you know, dive further into government cover-ups and things like that, you'll understand a, a better picture of how it's impacted my life. But, um, it, it's, it's systemic in the sense that you should be questioning everything all the time don't accept what people tell you like because people by and large don't know what they're talking about and by and large the people who claim to know what they're talking about are lying to you deliberately for yeah, there's for, an agenda there's an agenda and i don't have an agenda like this is just my own fascination with this and i'm only saying it because i'm passionate about it and it excites me and i think it's important 
And so I, I talk about it to whoever wants no, to listen. No, no, and everybody that heard the last episode and this episode, we thank you and, and we appreciate this. And there's going to be more coming. Please remind people where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I mean, Instagram primarily, Nate, A, middle initial, then Schultz, S-C-H-O-L-Z. Um, this, Just, this podcast is brought to you by Chintuka Birthday. Of course. Hell yeah, that's the <laughs> new tell movie. People, tell people what is, what is Chintuka Birthday. Uh, I did a movie a couple years ago um, in India, which I'm very proud of and turned out incredibly We're well. We're very proud of. Thank you. Um, which uh, uh, is international. I mean, it's released in 190 countries, but it's sadly not in the U.S., um, but yet. it is uh, yet, but it's on a streaming platform that's in 190 countries. And so uh, the movie has done insanely well. It is the fifth most liked movie in India history for a streaming movie. It's won tons of awards. I've won some awards for it. And uh, the reaction, the feedback, uh, the reviews, the IMDb rating, everything on it is better than I ever could have hoped. And, uh, and we're all incredibly grateful. And the message of the movie is phenomenal. And so if you are savvy with tech, you can torrent it. Or you can get a VPN and sign up for Z5 Premium and pretend like you live in Canada or something, and you'll be able to stream it that way. Or if you're somebody I know, you can message me, and I'll shoot you a, a little private link. But I better fucking know you. That's exactly. right. <laughs> Thank you, brother. I will bring Thank you. you. The movie was great. We enjoyed it. This podcast was amazing. And until Thanks, next man. time. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. Bye, night. Bye. And that's a wrap for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Ride Boundless podcast. Make sure to like, follow, and subscribe. More importantly, share, 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 share. If you know anybody that's in the motorcycle or car industry or is a fanatic or whatever the case is, let them know about this podcast. Sharing is caring. Um, if you've already subscribed, thank you. If you haven't, make sure to do it. Until next week. Ride safe, ride hard, ride boundless.